Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And we have a 10-1 team in this city that's about to face a team that has done some historic whining, really, since they were eliminated last season. Welcome in, everybody. Rob Ellis, I get to hang out with Bill Calarulo today. What's up, Bill? How you doing, my man? I'm doing well, man. I'm looking forward to it, brother. My pleasure. My pleasure. And, and you can catch Bill. Bill is on right, usually leading right into our show, but he's doing a little... Uh, little double dip today and we appreciate bill hopping on you got the philly power hour each and every monday through friday 10 a.m to 11 a.m right here on jacob sports you can also catch his he's the host of legal hands to the face as well and you got that monday at 6 30 get check out his live show as well so bill great to be hanging it's kind of cool man we haven't had a chance to talk each other to each other uh regarding everything that's gone down uh with the eagles not only this season but the last game. So l- let's start with what they've been able to do um, from this sense. I want to start with this sense because we're, we're going to get to the Sixers later who just boat race the Lakers, which is always a beautiful thing, and a bunch of other stuff. But Eagles have been outgained, Bill, by 98 yards, minimal, in some cases more, in the last four games, and they've won all four of those games. I'll ask you, simply put, how? How are they doing this? Jalen Hurts is what my answer would be. <laughs> I, mean, I said it on the postgame show here on Jacob as well. It's With this team and with Jalen Hurts, all these stats you got to just throw out the window because not only are they being outgained by over 98 yards, you look at what the Bills did to them on third down. They converted 70% of their third down opportunities in the second half and overtime. You shouldn't be able to win football games yeah. when you're letting teams do that. But Jalen Hurts... it. He leads it, man. His his mentality, you look at him on the sidelines. They're down 10. They're up 10. He looks like the same guy. The, and the I think, reaction after Elliott hit the 59-yarder, I no reaction, thought right? he missed it. Yeah, yeah. He, you would have thought he missed it the way he reacted. Yeah, it's, he's, he's a poker player. He is stone face. It's amazing. And I think they all just feed off of that. They feed off of that, the whole team. He's. I said it last night on my show that Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, is the best leader 
that we've ever had in Philadelphia sports. There's been good ones. I'm not taking anything away from some other leaders, but I don't think there is a better leader that's ever been in Philadelphia than what you see from Jalen Hurts week in and week out. Yeah, I mean, what he's doing uh, in a very short period of time is nothing short of incredible. It, it really isn't. I mean, ju- just from a – I mean, he's 33-12 and 12 as a starter. Um, I, I don't know – you know, the people fully grasp how hard that is to do what he and Nick Sirianni have done since they've been together. It, it's flat out amazing. But you're right. I, I mean, as as great as he's been, you do wonder how sustainable this thing is. Um, the third downs uh, defensively, they've been, you know, the conversely, they're very good offensively on third down, but third downs defensively, which leads you to not being able to get off the field, which leads the other team to having a lot more plays, which leads the other team to having a ton of more time of possession which wears your defense down that's already hurt, uh, you do wonder. I, I think this is the week, Bill, if I had to say any week, and I know it's easy to say it now because it's what's in front of us, and they've yeah. beaten the Chiefs, and they've beaten the Bills, and they've beaten the Cowboys. But you don't want to keep playing that game, <laughs> especially with this team. Like I, We're going to get into it in a minute. I, put, I was looking at some of the 49ers numbers. Oh, my God, are they impressive, man. Yeah, I said it earlier on the Power Hour. As much as I hate, the San Francisco 49ers, they are a really good football team on yeah. both sides of the football. And look, I know we beat them last season, but they're a better team this year than they were last year for sure. Oh, they are. They absolutely yeah. are. You know, when you add a guy like Hargrave, Purdy's playing better than he played last year. Um, you know, McCaffrey's playing. They've had him the whole year as opposed to making the trade, you know, with Carolina. It's it's unbelievable. So there's a couple other things at play here that are mildly concerning. We don't know Lane Johnson's status. We don't know Zach Cunningham's status. We don't know Fletcher Cox's status going into this game. So that is really the difference if you look at it. I know they haven't had Goddard, you know, for for a couple of games now, but the big difference in, in heading into this game, and we'll get into the underdog thing in a minute, versus the other games is they're definitely more banged up, at least at this point in the week. Yeah, I mean, the biggest one for me out of all the guys you mentioned is Lane Johnson. You look at the defensive line, and we'll break it down, but you look at the defensive line for the San Francisco 49ers, you need your all-pro right tackle in this football game. But, look, the Eagles' defense, to me, is not a championship defense right now. That's where I am concerned. I know people are upset about Brian Johnson and the play calling and the game planning early in games, which they have a right to be, and we can talk about that as well. But you just look up and down this defense, they're giving up way too many yards. They've been really bad on third down. They've been really bad in the red zone. And now you're going to throw in an injury to Zach Cunningham for a linebacker crew that was already light with N'Kobe Dean being out. And I know a lot of people want Shaq Leonard. We'll see what happens. He's visiting Dallas today. Yeah. But what does Shaq Leonard have left? I mean, if you look, he hasn't been the same guy since the back surgery he had a couple years ago. Multiple back surgeries, yeah. And – you know, I know pro football focus isn't the the Bible, but they do a good job. And you look, he was an all-pro in 2021. Pro football focus graded him as a 79 that season. Well, in 2022, he was graded as a 40, only played three games. And then so far this season through nine games, he's graded as a 60. So he may not be the same guy, but hey, it could be a win-win if you sign him because it looks like Dallas wants him. Well, I, I think too with him, that's a team that's in contention to be a playoff team. If the Colts were a team that were just going nowhere and they decided, Hey, you know, let's just get rid. It's sort of like I, I, we akin to, I remember when Denver was letting a lot of guys go on the defensive line, we were saying, why are they just, just letting these guys walk? 
but Peyton was cleaning up culture. He, Leonard's not a culture guy. And if he could play, he'd still be there. You know, I mean, look, is it, is it a stopgap if you don't have Cunningham? Yeah. I mean, here's the bottom line, get him in your place, look at him. And if you, if you feel like he's still got the athletic ability with the back issues, then yeah, why not? Um, but if Eagles fans are expecting that same guy who was dominant in Indy, he's just not. He's just not that guy anymore, or at least not now he's not. Yeah, You don't get rid of good players in this league for nothing, and that's essentially what they did. They're still on the yeah. hook to pay him his full contract. So if he could play and he was at the level he was, they're not going to cut him. So I agree with you. Me and Seth Joyner talked about it actually on the postgame show. He said the same thing. He said, look, the Colts aren't just going to cut Shaq Leonard if he was still the all-pro linebacker from right. two years ago. Yeah. Um, all right, looking at this thing, and right now, it, the last I checked, they were two-point underdogs. It's been two, two and a half, depending on you know, I saw it at got. three, Rob. I saw it at three on uh, on DraftKings earlier today. All right, so my my reasoning for that, I mean, my, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think the reasoning in Vegas is, is a couple of – there's a couple of reasons. One – it tells you they have serious doubts if Lane Johnson's going to play. But if we get word later in the week that he is, you may see the line move a little bit. But it's not just Lane Johnson. It's the other ones that we just mentioned. So I think it's injuries. I think they pay as much attention as we do to how close to the sun the Eagles have been flying, you know, and not getting burned so far. You know, they realize that. And they also look at what the Niners have done since the bye. You know, they, they had that three-game blip, yes, but they're right back to where they were. And – they always factor in revenge. So I think there's a lot of reasons. And and look, I think it's great from an Eagle standpoint. You want to use anything you want as motivation. Great. You just got a little bit dropped in your lap, uh, you know, by the, by the uh, folks in the desert. But why do you think that the Eagles are underdogs in this thing? Definitely the injuries. You're right. I mean, they must not believe that Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox and Zach Cunningham are going to be ready to go. I think that's a big factor. But I also think they're looking at the point differential between the Eagles' wins and the Niners' wins. You look at this Niners team, they're only 8-3, and three, but their point differential, they're 140 net points in the positive, whereas the Eagles are only 64. Yeah. You look at the Niners, they've beaten their eight opponents by an average of over 20 points. Well, the Eagles are only winning their 10 games by an average of 7 points. And we've talked about it. The Eagles haven't had that real dominant win Miami, you could probably consider that a dominant win. The Tampa Bay Bucks game, a dominant win. But they haven't really dominated the way the 49ers have dominated teams. I mean, look what the Niners did to the Cowboys. That was one of the worst beatings the Cowboys have taken in a couple of years. Yeah. So I think that's what they're factoring in. But you're right, the revenge game for sure. But for me, not to stay on this defense, I think that Vegas is looking at it and saying this Philadelphia Eagles defense is going to have a really hard time stopping all of the weapons that the 49ers have. I mean, you got Debo Samuel, you got George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, who's on pace for close to 400 touches this year. Mm -hmm. If I'm a Niners fan, that's what I'm nervous about. Can yeah, CMC, you got to slow that down a little. Yeah, yeah, you need him healthy for the playoffs. And look, there's you don't want to play scared, but you also need to be a little bit smart. And Kyle Shanahan, I think, is – look, I love it. I, I have CMC on my fantasy team, so I love all the touches they're giving him. <laughs> But you need this guy healthy. I think yeah. they're being a little bit reckless with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it felt like early, and it feels like early in his Carolina career was just like, dude, we're pounding him into the ground, whatever. I mean, it. I know it's tempting back there because he can do so many different things for you. But yeah, I mean, it, it's still, I, I have a hard time getting away from the Eagles' pass defense. Now, I know a lot of people are, are sitting there probably saying, 
guys are 10 and one, like, you know, you're, you're picking these things apart, but when you're looking at the matchup, it's something that concerns you. You know, I mean, really the, the, the offset or the difference maker here is if the Eagles can get that pass rush. And that's what, you know, ultimately did the, the Niners in last year in this, in this matchup. But I, I'd be hard pressed to believe that the Kyle Shanahan is going to use a backup tight end on Hassan Reddick in, in pass protection. And if he does, he deserves everything he gets once again. That's what has me so upset. You talked about to start the show. The 49ers have been whiners since that NFC Championship game. I have been going off about that same thing. What's bothered me is this wasn't a fluke injury to your quarterbacks. It wasn't as if Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game was running out of bounds and pulled up with a hamstring injury. Kyle Shanahan decided to block one of the best defensive players in the league in Hassan Reddick with a backup tight end, and Reddick knocked him out of the game. So I'm so sick of hearing, oh, if we had our quarterback, if we had our quarterback. It was your coach's fault that you didn't have a quarterback. We yeah. knocked him out, and then Reddick knocked Josh Johnson out of the game. So, look, I'm excited that they're underdogs. I think that'll fire this fan base up for sure. I think the players are already fired up after what happened. But the sad reality here, Rob, is the Eagles don't need to win this football game. They really don't. When you look at where they've set themselves up at 10-1, and one, they could afford yeah. to lose this game, still be the number one seed, and – the Niners would have to come back here in the NFC Championship game. So as much as I want to see them win, and I'd love to see them shut the Niners up, they don't have to to still get to the Super Bowl. No, you're right. And I tried to point this out to people when I said, I, you know, I, I thought this was going to be a struggle. So far, the Eagles have proven me wrong, obviously. But during these these five, six games, however you want to look at it, I said they could come out of this two and three and still be okay. And, you know, and people don't want to hear it. I get it. You want to win every single game, and especially this game. Look, I get it. Just from a, a fan sensationalized standpoint from the moment that game ended the 49ers players coaches media have done nothing but cry and whine and you're right I just want to swing back to that point if your head coach who's considered and I think the guy is an incredibly smart head coach and inventive head coach but if you're going to make that choice to block I would say he was the second best pass rusher last year with a backup tight end you deserve whatever you get. It, it's kind of like what's happened in this day and age in general. Create your own adversity and then swing it back the other way. Like the, all the nonsense that Michigan's done. Yeah. Oh my God, everybody's against us. You mean everybody's against you because you were cheating? Is that what you mean? All, all this hardship and adversity you're overcoming, the self-inflicted hardship, like the Niners turning this into, hey, if we had either one of our first two quarterbacks, guess what? It's tackle football. These are large human beings who get hurt. There's no ifs. You were the ones who chose to go that route, got your quarterback knocked out. That's it. That's the way it goes. Then's the breaks. And it's become this like nonsense. I mean, I, I Robbie Gould last year, Gold last year, mentioning that, that Jalen Hurts is a system quarterback. I'm like, a kicker is saying this? Like, this is the kind of nonsense that's come from these guys it, it, across the board. It's been it's been nonstop, man. It was it was all last year, and that's why. And look, I'm sure you've seen it too. We get a bunch of 49er trolls in the chat as well, saying oh, all the same, <laughs> saying all the same things. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, look, the Eagles don't need to win this game, but it would go a long way if they do. And everybody kept referring to this stretch as the gauntlet, and I started saying it a couple weeks ago that I would no longer describe it as the gauntlet because it's a gauntlet for all these other teams that have to come play the Philadelphia Eagles. We are the gauntlet, and they're proving it every single week. But, 
we kind of started this conversation about how much longer can the Eagles sustain being outgained, going down 10-plus points at the half. I think they've been down at the half now four weeks in a row. Yep. And you're right. They have to put together a full game against this 49ers football team. The 49ers yeah, are is, too good. I think that of all – this to me – I know how hard it is to go on the road and play in Kansas City. I know how hard it is coming off a bye, but Kansas City hasn't been clicking at, at all in all cylinders. I think right now the 49ers are. This is the the biggest challenge the Eagles will face this year, uh, in my opinion, uh, thus far. But but you're but the thing is, and I don't want to just turn this into all the things the Eagles aren't doing well enough. There is a skill. There really is. There is a skill to be able to win when you're not on your A game. And I think the Eagles do it better than any team. They're also a team that's able to adapt in-game, I think, extremely well. The difference is, yes, would I like for them to start faster? Of course. But their ability to kind of flip the script, whether it's halftime or at some other time, is is remarkable. I mean, the, the, just look at Hurts' first half versus his second half in the game Sunday. I mean, it is – you couldn't have a more stark contrast in two guys. He had a seven-passer rating. He threw 33 yards. I mean, it sounds like I'm making this up. Four for 11, 33 yards, an interception, a fumble, and a seven passer rating versus four for 20, a buck 67, three passing, two rushing, you know, no interceptions and a 134.8 passer rating. That's unbelievable. It's incredible, man. It really is. And I said this the other day, as angry as I was at the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff for the offensive game plan that they came out with in the first half, you have to give them credit for not only having the ability to adjust, but the willingness to adjust. Because we've seen it so many times in this league where coaches are stubborn and they refuse to change in games and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to outsmart the other guy. This was the game plan I put together, and we're going to keep dropping back 50 times and throwing the football. So I loved that Sirianni, Brian Johnson, adjusted in that second half, got a little bit more balanced, even started to run some motion, Rob. We don't really yeah. see that a lot. We they ran some motion. Yeah. So they changed some things up. And, you know, one of the play calls that a lot of people have been frustrated with over the last few weeks has been that wide receiver bubble screen. Yeah. But you look at that touchdown pass to Devontae Smith was set up because of a beautiful fake to Julio Jones on the bubble screen. Jalen Hurts gives a little bit of a pump fake. Safety bites for a half second. Boom. Touchdown to Devontae Smith. So you do have to look at the offense and take the entire picture because sometimes plays are called to set up plays later in the games. Mm -hmm. But I was frustrated with the game plan, but hey, thankfully they adjusted and they figured out a way to win. Well, the Brian Johnson thing is is fascinating to me. Um, he's reportedly one of the lead candidates for the Carolina job, as is Ben Johnson, no relation in Detroit. But that aside, uh, and we'll get into the Frank Reich thing in a little bit because we haven't had a chance to discuss that. That, that came down yesterday. Um, Looking at what he's done, body of work, and keeping in mind that he's only been an offensive coordinator in the NFL for 11 games here, are people too harsh on him? Is is this a byproduct of our society where it's microwave? It's it's got to you got to come out of the uh, the womb, you know, firing on all all cylinders here, as opposed to you know getting your feet wet and and getting a feel for this thing. What's your sense of where things are with Johnson? You know, I'm so torn on this one, Rob, because when you're watching the games. Sometimes it doesn't pass the eye test. You're thinking yeah. to yourself, what the hell are they doing? But then you look at the final numbers and you compare the stats from this year to last year. And everybody would agree last year's offense was dominant. 
Shane Steichen was one of the best play callers we've seen in a long time. Doug Peterson was also a great play caller a few years ago. But you look at the final numbers from last year and you compare them to what this Eagles offense is doing this year, and all the numbers are pretty damn close. They are. Well, I'm going to give you the comps from last year to this year in a, in a little bit. They're they're it's amazing how aligned they are. Yeah. It, so you know, I look at that and I say, hey, maybe we are being a little bit too hard on Brian Johnson. And one of the things that everybody was frustrated with, including myself, to start the season was how bad they were in the red zone. Oh, yeah. he's the worst play caller in the red zone. They're sitting there now at number five. Yeah, they were 27 at one point. Yeah, they're number five now. And you look at what they've done over the last probably five weeks now, since week six, they're number one in the league. I just had Dave Spadaro on my show right before this, and he gave me a stat I wasn't aware of. They have gone 12 12 straight red zone opportunities with touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So you got to give the offensive coordinator credit because it isn't easy to score in the red zone. The field shrinks, we know. You get that back of the end zone as your 12th defender. So, hey, I'm torn on Brian Johnson. I haven't been happy with all of his play calling, but once we look at the numbers, I think fans are going to be a little surprised how close it is to last year. I agree. I I think we have been a little harsh. I I don't like everything either. I'll be the first one to tell you. I think there's some things that just have to be scrapped. I don't know how DeAndre Swift wasn't more a part of the game plan in the first game of the season. I think they got away from the run a little bit uh, at certain points, which has you know been a complaint forever, right? And what goes back to Andy Reid. So I don't think it's been perfect, but I do think we're we're a tad harsh uh, well, on him. Well, Rob, this is, what I, this is what I love about Philadelphia. Yeah, we are ten and one. Yeah, we, right. have a, we have a top ten offense, and you have a coach that just got fired after a one in ten start, his second firing in the last two years, and people are calling for in this town, fire Brian Johnson and hire Frank Wright. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, let's get the guy who who had one win who who who. You know, can't figure out Bryce Young at all. Let, let, let's bring him in. Love uh, Philadelphia, it, man. I love it. It's amazing. It really is. And, and and Nick Sirianni was asked about that yesterday. And he he gave you the basically, I haven't even time to think about that. I'm worried about what. Look, I don't have any doubt that there will be conversations had. Some type of, if, if Frank's interested, some type of, you can call it a consultant. You can call it whatever. I mean, Nick has always been a guy who said, I, I always pick Frank Reich's ear. Always, always bend his ear on yeah. things. But. Yeah, I mean, look, whatever it is, if you, anything you can do to to gather more info to help you, I'm, I'm in favor of. So if you want to go down that that route, uh, you know, go for it uh, for sure. But a couple other things. So Shaq Lawson has basically apologized for laying hands on a fan uh, near the bench. He is sticking to the, hey, there was some life-threatening stuff being thrown out there, but I shouldn't have touched him, you know, kind of deal. Here, here's, here's the way I feel about this. I don't know what was being said. Honestly, there, there may have been something, but the bottom line is whenever you go towards the fans and the stands, it's never really going to end well for anybody. It's not going to end, end well for you. It's just not going to go well when that's the case. So stay away from the fans. It's ridiculous. Honestly, I, I know the Sean McDermott also came out and said it was unfortunate that the fan wasn't removed earlier in the game that they had asked for him to be removed. But you're right. It's not that hard to just ignore the fans behind you. They're far enough away. The link is – I've been on that sideline. I used to work for the Eagles. You're pretty far away from the fans. There's other stadiums like in Kansas City yep. where they're right on top of that sideline. They're not that close mm-hmm. to the sideline. So it's not difficult for him to just ignore that fan. And to go over and push a fan, I think he should be fined heavily for that. And I don't care what the fan w- was saying. There's nothing that he couldn't ignore. But, hey – Philadelphia fans, we get that rap, but 
I think this one's on Shaq Wallace. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so, too. I, I think he's preemptively throwing the apology out there to try and avoid the bigger fine. Would be my guess. Yeah. That would be my strategic guess that that's what's going on. But that was a wild atmosphere on, on Sunday late afternoon into evening. It's going to be crazier this week. I mean, I, it's rare. Think about this, Bill. It's only Tuesday. They're coming off an overtime crazy win where they were down 10 at the half. They were down 10 in, in the second half as well. Came back and won and on a walk-off by Jalen. And we're already on to the next one. And that tells you how hyped up the fan base is for this game with San Francisco. Like, they are at a fever pitch already. I can't imagine what this is going to look like Sunday at 425. I'm sure you guys saw it here on Sports Take yesterday. I did the power hour at 10 o'clock yesterday, excited to talk about the Bills win, and people are in the chat saying, we're already on to the Niners. 100%. <laughs> I had people in the postgame. I'm I'm like, can we enjoy this one? Can we have the 24-hour rule before we, we, we move on to the Niners? I mean, come on. Well, you know, when the schedule came out, every single fan, probably in San Francisco too, oh. had this one circled. We couldn't wait for this game, and mainly because of the whining that was done yeah. after the NFC Championship game, but everybody's looking forward to it. But I'll tell you, I said this this morning. I woke up and I put on ESPN this morning. Made the yeah. mistake of doing that, Rob. Yeah. But Herm Edwards was on. Herm Edwards, former Philadelphia Eagles, and they asked him to rank the NFC teams. Okay. Do you know he ranked the Philadelphia Eagles as number three? In Not even NFC? number two. Number three in the NFC. He put the 49ers as number one, and he put the Dallas Cowboys at number two. So when we talk about the fans being fired up, it's only going to get worse because I think the entire national media is going to be picking the San Francisco 49ers in yeah, this game. I think so. I think what you're seeing from Vegas with the point spread is going to mirror what you're getting nationally. I, I think this is going to turn into a classic Philadelphia us against them week. And, and they don't like us. We don't care week. I, I'm telling you, this is exactly how this is setting up. Like Debo is already trash talking. You got the national people. I can't believe Herm Edwards, but yeah, you got the national people already kind of dissing the Eagles. I think P I, it's crazy, Bill, but I think nationally the Eagles are viewed as a smoke and mirrors kind of team. They look at the 10 and one, but they say, you know what? 10 and one's cute, but ultimately you know, the numbers don't bear this thing out. I'm telling you, man. And it is going to be one of those kind of weeks, which is great. That's it's great. It's it's a, what you love about sports are these kind of weeks. These, this is a playoff game hype week and then guess what's next week dallas this is it's unbelievable this entire season i mean we we've we've come on and done our shows the next day 10 out of 11 times to a win and now we have san fran now we've gone through dallas kansas city buffalo san fran dallas again i mean it is just the gift that keeps giving the philadelphia eagles and what's really crazy, I had a couple of my friends from New York. I'm on a group chat. And they're a bunch of Giants fans. But mm. they wanted to point out that Philadelphia Eagles, as we know, are 27 and 29 in their last regular – 27 out of 29 in their last 29 regular season games with Hurts. But you look at the only two they've lost, the Washington Commanders and the New York Jets. It's crazy because they yeah. find ways to beat these really good teams, and the only two they've had have been to some pretty bad football teams but but that's a little bit of the league it is it is you, know? you look at everybody and they've always lost to some teams but let me ask you something i had posed on my show last week and i'm curious what your take is i don't think nick sirianni gets as much credit nationally as i think he deserves i think he's a great coach 
We've seen the stat now. He's one of only three coaches in NFL history to lead his team to back-to-back 10-1 and starts, yeah, joining Shula Tony Dungy and, and, and Don yeah. Shula, which is, yeah. is crazy. So I pose this question. Is there a coach in the NFC, including Kyle Shanahan, that you would take over Nick Sirianni as your head coach? Um, and look, I, I boiled it down to basically there were three coaches that I think would be in the conversation Four if Mc, you add McVay four if you add Dan Campbell. Would you say? McVay would be in your conversation. Exactly. You got Sean McVay. You have Pete Carroll, yeah. who's won a Super Bowl. You have Kyle Shanahan. And I even threw Dan Campbell in there at the job he's doing with the Detroit Lions. But outside of him, yeah. I'm not taking any coach in the NFC over it. And I really I would go with Nick Sirianni. I would take Nick over any of those guys. I mean, look, I think you could argue McVay. Uh, you know, some of what's going on with them is just a talent thing. Um, I think you could argue Shanahan, but I'm sorry, head to head in the playoff game, Nick beat him. No, I'm taking Nick. I'm taking yeah. Nick. I think he gets disrespected for a couple of reasons. One, he doesn't call plays. For some reason, that's held against him, which it shouldn't be. Uh, two, the annex. I, th- I think they they hold that against them. There are some people that feel he should be conduct himself in a different manner. Um, you know, and I just, I don't know that he came with the boy wonder reputation that Shanahan came with, that McVay came with. And I'll jump to the other conference, but McDaniel maybe has, whatever. Yeah. I, and I think those things factor in. It's ridiculous because, again, all the guy does is win. I don't think they take into account coaching also is an emotional thing it's an emotional connection and an emotional pitch and he has the ability to get his teams up for games like no other and make adjustments on the fly he's he's secure enough in his own skin to allow others to do their thing and he doesn't have to micromanage like i think he's i think he's everything you would want in a head coach especially in this town could you have picked a coach with a better personality for the no, city he's of Philadelphia. Perfect. Yeah, he's perfect for this. He is. <laughs> Absolutely perfect, man. But, yeah, I looked up and down the NFC. I mean, a lot of these coaches have career-losing records. You know, you look at some of the other ones. But one of the guys that – I don't know if it was a troll in my chat or not that said, oh, well, we would take Mike McCarthy because he's won a Super Bowl before. Oh, my. That's a troll. I don't even think it's close. Yeah, that's a troll. That's a yeah. troll. Yeah, it's like saying Barry Switzer was a great head coach in the NFL because he won a Super Bowl. No, it was Jim Jimmy Johnson's team. So let let let's yeah. But I said uh, to take it a step further. Not only would I take Sirianni over every coach, and maybe it's debatable, like we said on those other four. Once you add in the head coach starting quarterback combination, I don't think there's a better one in the NFC. Slam dunk. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's get a timeout. We're going to come back. We're going to do those comps that we talked about, and it's going to surprise you. We're going to look at 2022 Eagles versus 23, because I think there is a notion really on both sides of the ball, especially offensively, like, oh my God, last year they were light years ahead of this year. All right. We'll see. We'll see when we get back. We got a lot to do today. We're going to dive into the Niners in the following segment after that. We got a full-blown NFL segment. Sixers destroy the Lakers. I don't want to completely overlook that either when you put on the Lakers like that, man. We got to get into that as well. But a lot of ground to cover. He's Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take on this Tuesday. I want to tell you about the great folks at Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, I've been going there since I was a little kid. They've been family-owned since 1985. And you know what, man? You you just went through the whole Thanksgiving uh, craziness with all that preparation, and you just don't feel like, you know, dealing with that. Well, guess what? Go to Bravo Pizza in Havertown. Here's a great thing. Fresh food served daily, 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the specialized pizza, however you want it, they will make it. But 
You may not be up for pizza. They have fresh pasta. They have sandwiches. They have wraps. They have wings. They have salads. Bravo Pizza of Habertown is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You could follow them at the Bravo Pizza of, at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials, for promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call right now. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Here's a little bit more from Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit, and the hits. Go for the stakes, and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money. 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Rob Ellis, Bill Calarulo, Sports Take. Uh, Tone Derek off today. Appreciate Bill hopping in there. Man catching each and every day, Monday through Friday, 10 to 11. Philly Sports Power Hour. All right, Bill. So uh, let's let's do a little 22 versus 23 uh, for the Eagles. Let's start on the offensive side. Then we'll jump over to the defense. All right. So um, this season, the Eagles are averaging 28.2 points per game. That's third in the league. They're rushing 133.3, which is eighth in the league. Passing 231.0, 13th in the league. Okay. I mean, all in the top 13. Certainly, it's all about scoring in your third. Would it surprise you or would it surprise anybody in our audience, our chat, streaming, anybody listening, whatever the case may be, that they're averaging 0.1 more points per game this year than they averaged last year. It does feel like that. They averaged 28.1 last year, 28.2 this year, both third. Now going off of how they finished the season last year, there are you know some differences here. Last year they rushed for 147.6, which was fifth as opposed to a buck 33 this year. Passing 231 this year, 241 last year. So that's 13 versus nine. But the bottom line is points. They're right there, if not a tad bit better. Yeah, I I was surprised when I went and did this analysis as well that they were so good because we talk about, yeah, when you watch it, the eye test may tell you differently, but the final numbers are spot on. And you look at one of the areas that they've gotten a lot worse on offense, and this is also bringing them down probably in points per game and some of these other yards, is turnovers. Last year, they went the whole year with only 19 turnovers. This year, they have 16 already. So they're on pace for a lot more. If, If they were protecting the ball a little bit better, these numbers would be even higher. So that's why I say I'm so torn on Brian Johnson because you're right, points, identical. And even the total yards per game, it's only about a 20-yard difference. Yeah. Really not that big of a deal. But, you know, it's I've, I'm sure a lot of fans would tell you, no, Brian Johnson is trash. I hear it all the time. Brian Johnson is trash. These He can't be that bad to be putting up these numbers. And, I, and I've had some people say, oh, well, it's all talent. It's just because of the talent they have on the offensive side of the ball. We've seen coaches – have a lot of talent and not be able to put up numbers like this on offense. There's a lot that goes into these play designs. There's a lot that goes into the play calling. You need more than just talent in this league. And, you know, Brian Johnson, not always great, but obviously doing some good things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd say uh, Fitness Rebel checking in. We haven't heard from Fitness Rebel in a minute. So good good to, good to hear from her. I uh, hope she's doing well. Thanks to everybody who hangs out in the chats, too. We appreciate it, man. All of you guys uh, every single day. Um yeah, I'm with you. I think sometimes, Bill, it's like we're looking more, and I get it. It's 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 just your eyeballs are telling you something. When you start slowly, 
Then you have to have these crazy finishes. At the end of the day, it's kind of the same, right? You kind of get to the same place. But you would like it to be not quite the heart attack it has to be every single week where you're coming out of the shoot a little bit better with a better better schematically, better game plan, whatever the case may be. You're making it hard on yourself. I think the way we look at it, and it's common sense, is can you really keep doing this in the second half of games? You know, is we talk about sustainable is one of the big words. I think there's two words we use a ton with the Eagles, and rightfully so, resilient. And then when we're looking ahead, we talk sustainable, you know, sustainability. Uh, it sounds like we're talking about like recycling or something like that, but, <laughs> the, you know. Um, but really, no, I mean, I think it's it's it all it comes out in the wash, and it's about the same so far. But, you know, the thing is, too, I feel like they can clean these, these turnovers up, and Hurts is healthier than he's been in, in maybe six weeks with that knee, like they, there was way more called draws called run plays like that could only bode well for this offense going forward. A lot of this is Lane Johnson being healthy too, but you know, assuming he gets back at some point. Yeah, and I thought that Jalen hurts when we talk about the eye test looked the best he's looked running the football. He looked a little bit more spry. He looked like he had a little bit more bounce in his step. He was a little bit quicker. You saw him actually get to the edge a couple times and outrun defenders. We really hadn't seen that over the last few weeks. He looked a little bit slower, a little bit more hesitant. So that was good. And then I talked earlier in the show about third down defense. When you look at this Philadelphia Eagles offense on third down, they were number one in the NFL going into that game against Buffalo. They're now number three. They're converting on third down over 47%. Big time. Last year, they had a really good third down offense, 46%. So, again, if we look at these numbers, you have to be a decent play caller to be able to convert that much on third down. And we talked earlier in the show about red zone. They're doing a great job in the red zone, top five in the NFL now in the red zone. So I do think some of these, some of these people calling for Brian Johnson to be fired is a little overreaction. Yeah, I, I think it's the. It feels like despite how good the team is, we find one coordinator we want to just dump on. Yeah. Uh, you know, again and got it last year, and Johnson's getting it this year. And I, as soon as I bring up the G word, everybody's going to lose their mind. Yeah. I get it. I understand. Uh, by the way, props to Shane Steichen. What a job he's doing in in, in Indy. He's done he's, an awesome job. He's moving up in the Coach of the Year odds as well. He's now yep. number four to win Coach of the Year. And it still surprises me, just talking about that real quick. Dan Campbell is number one at plus 140. I yep. thought – I think he's doing a good job. Yeah. But I'm sure you did what I did, watch that game on Thanksgiving. I love how aggressive these coaches are becoming. I love how aggressive Nick Sirianni is. But you need to be appropriately aggressive. Yeah, smart. And I think Dan Campbell was just reckless in that game with some yep. of those fourth down calls, the fake punt. I felt like he lost that game with some of those decisions. I did too. And they got very fortunate. They won the week before against Chicago. Like they're, they have been, I get it. They're everybody's kind of darlings because they've sucked forever. I, and I understand that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I do. And he's fun. I like, I like his personality. I don't want a guy. I don't think every guy has to be buttoned up. That's why I don't have a problem with Sirianni. He's true to himself with some of the stuff that he does. And I'm good with Campbell too, but I think we've gone too far on the lions, like just generally and, yeah. and how good they are. It's like to me, and I'm not trying to go Herman Edwards here, but in any order, whatever order you want to put it in, it's the Eagles, it's the Niners, it's the Cowboys, and then it's everybody else. Like, and it's I don't think it's even really that close uh, when it comes to the NFC. I agree with you, and I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion, knock on wood, hopefully, but that 
the NFC Championship game is getting previewed this Sunday. I think it's going to be the Niners and the Eagles at the link, just like it was last year. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go to the defense and see how close they are. There is some differences here, but regardless. Uh, 2023, they're giving up 22.4 points per game. 20th, not great. Not great. Last year, 20.2 per game, which was tied for sixth. I mean, it's, I know you might hear it and say two points, big deal. Two points is a very big deal, actually. Uh, so that's, it's a lot better on the 22 side. Rushing game. This year's uh, Eagles team is, is far superior to last year's defending the run. 85.3, and that's actually gone up the last couple of weeks, but 85.3, which is third. Last year was tied for 16th at 121.6. Let's go to the pass. This is really where the issue is. This year's defense is giving up 255.7 passing yards per game, 29th in the NFL, as opposed to 179.8, which was first. You're talking about a contrast from 1 to 29 in the passing game. That is the Achilles heel, Bill, Bill, no doubt. And it's crazy because, again, if you probably asked a bunch of Eagles fans, what did you hate most about Jonathan Gannon? <laughs> yep. It would be, oh, well, they couldn't defend the pass. They were horrible. The quarterbacks destroyed them. They were the number one passing defense, so, which is, is crazy. And that's been a problem this year for sure. And you mentioned that rushing defense. Before the Chiefs game, they were only giving up 63 yards per game. Yeah. And now in the last two weeks, they've given up 170. They game. were won by a large margin. Like, yep. like a really large margin. Yeah, yeah, the Chiefs put up 169, I think, something like that. And the Bills put up over 180, didn't they, yes. on the ground? Yeah. So, you know, that's something they need to clean up. But, yeah, that passing defense. And the other one, too, third down, like we've talked about. They were about middle of the pack last year. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Middle of the pack. Now they're bottom of the league. I think they're 30th in the league, near 30th in the league in third yeah. down. And they've also been pretty bad in the red zone this year as well, whereas last year they were in the top 12. Mm -hmm. This year in the red zone, bottom of the league. So that defense is the one area that has me more concerned. And like you mentioned, we always love to pick a coordinator and blame him. I'm not putting a lot of this on Sean Desai. I think Sean Desai is a good defensive coordinator. I think he will continue to grow in that role. I think a lot of this is personnel-based. They've had a lot of injuries, a lot of changes in that secondary, and I say this a lot, we always want to blame the coaches, but there's times where you got to look at the players and say, hey, they didn't execute. Look at the Buffalo Bills game. Josh Allen ran for over 80 yards, and everyone, oh, you got to call us quarterback spy. There were times where Sean Desai had a quarterback spy called, and they just simply didn't make the play. They didn't make the tackle. They missed them. So you can't put it all on the coordinators. Players got to execute, too. They do, and the other thing you have to do as much as – fans loathe doing it sometimes you admit that guy is a special talent like I I know he had the one interception and Bradbury made a great play but Josh Allen was great in that game you know people are going to blame him you know for the for the the miscommunication with Gabe Davis whatever that guy was spectacular in that game the the, it's not I I don't know the Eagles run away with that game if it's not for Josh Allen um so there are a couple things to look at now what you're encouraged by hurts you know is certainly he finds ways to get in the end zone. I mean, you look at it, he's got 29 scores, okay? 29 this year. 18 in the air, 11 rushing. 
what he has to clean up is what we talked about a little bit earlier. You can't have 10 interceptions and three fumbles like that. That's the part that's unacceptable. Everything else is right there. And I think Bill, he's vaulted himself. If not the lead, he's, he's, you know, jockeying for the lead for the MVP with the way that he's come on of late. Yeah. He's definitely the favorite to win the MVP. And if they keep winning football games, obviously he will be. And it's always frustrated me that you look at the MVP award and you probably have talked about this in the past. It's become kind of like, well, who's the best player? Not necessarily what it really stands for, which is the most valuable player. And there is no doubt that Jalen Hurts is the most valuable to his team. And they keep winning games because of him. But, you know, you mentioned those turnovers. That's been a major difference on both sides of the ball from last year to this year. Because last year they finished the season with a plus eight turnover differential. So far through these 11 games, they are a minus two. You shouldn't be able to win football games. I mean, I say this every week. Really, you look at three categories every week. If you could win the turnover battle, you can win on third down, and you can win in the red zone, you're probably going to win a lot of games. And the Eagles seem to be on the other side of all three of those and keep finding ways to win, which is just, like you said, is it sustainable? I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think it is either. Um, But I I think that's assuming – they're not going to improve going forward. Like I have a lot of people ask me, Hey man, how are they doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And they can't, they're not going to win a playoff game. And I, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, you turn the ball over at the rate they're turning it over. It it is going to bite you soon. I think this week, let me put it this way. If the Eagles aren't on the either even or on the plus side of the turnover margin in this week, I think they lose. Um, But that said, that's assuming that things aren't going to get better. You there's still time to get better in the regular season. And that's what you use, you know, this time for, and there's been a lot of things that are encouraging the reason they're better against the run is their two young guys are absolute studs. I'm taking nothing away from Fletcher Cox, who's been really good, and Milton Williams, who they missed this week for sure, and he'll be back, it looks like, coming off the concussion protocol. But Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter have been monsters, you know, and were monsters again, and they had a ton of snaps, and you're going to have to – you know, I, I would I'd venture a guess, Bill, this week is an extremely light workload week for the Eagles. Like, I'm talking – maybe walk through on Thursday kind of thing, load management days for certain guys. We, we're going to call it something. Uh, so-and-so's got a, got a sewer quad, whatever. Yeah. You're going to see guys sit out because the amount of snaps that they had to play, especially defensively because of the injuries, was a lot for the vets and a lot for the young kids too. And this is a team that already has extremely light practices. And I think you're right. It's going to be even more extreme. And you mentioned some of these young defensive tackles. I saw at first, I thought it was a joke when Next Gen Stats put out there about Jordan Davis's top speed when he was chasing Josh Allen. And then I'm like, wow, no, this is for real. He almost got up to 16 miles an hour. (laughs) Yeah. And it was the second fastest, a 330 plus pound player. It's like a truck going downhill, man. But really, what was so impressive about that was that was Jordan Davis, I believe, his 64th snap in the game. It was his last snap in the game, and you see this guy hustling, and you're spot on. That's the reason the run game rushing defense has been so damn good. And we love to talk about Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, as we should, former first-round picks. But Milton Williams is a really good defensive tackle. Yeah, he is. A really good D-tackle. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, yeah, I was where did I? Okay, so the snaps. You ready for this? So Jordan, Jalen Carter, seventy-six snaps on Sunday. The his previous high was fifty-one. Jordan Davis, sixty-two snaps. 
his previous high was 44. So, th- I mean, those that's a lot. That's a lot for those guys. Yeah. But you're right. Milton Williams is the un- – because we know what Fletcher's been. We know the hype with Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, and they've lived up to it and then some. But Milton Williams is the forgotten man who is who's like a glue guy. He can do a lot of different things for you. And that's going to be big getting him back, especially if either Fletcher can't go or he's compromised a little bit by that groin. Getting Milton Williams back is huge. You're going to need it because, I mean, let's face it, when you're dealing with McCaffrey – he can present a lot of problems, man, uh, you know, whether it's interior or in space. So you need all hands on deck here uh, with this team. And, and not only in the running game, you look at that 49ers offensive line, and obviously they have one of the best left tackles in the league in Trent Williams. Yeah. But the interior of their offensive line isn't anywhere near as good as Trent Williams is. And if you can create interior pressure, on Brock Purdy, that can go a long way. I know they were able to get around the edge in the NFC Championship game with Reddick, but if our D tackles can create that interior pressure, you could really disrupt that 49ers offense. No, I agree with you. I mean, look, it's it's it is not going to be. Uh, we know what it what a task it's going to be, and we're going to get into it in a minute. Uh, you know, the, the Niners and what they're doing and, and what this has been so far. But yeah, I mean, they can present a lot of different looks. I'm really. I'm really interested in the chess match. Like, I know these teams aren't the exact same. Obviously, Javon Hargrave is there now. I get it. But, you know, just what counters each team is going to run. And I don't know. It's kind of hard to get an, a, a real handle on the Niners because they were without Purdy for so much of that game. Um, you know, what it's going to look like offensively, but what counters the Eagles are going to run defensively, those kind of things. There's a lot that went on in that game. I mean, the non-challenge of the Devontae Smith play, uh, from Shanahan, which ended up being a big play, and then Purdy getting knocked out, and then it was Josh Johnson getting knocked out, whatever. I mean, it just got to the point where it was it was hard to really gauge that game, you know, last year for what it was. It was. It, it was hard. But, look, the, the main thing with that team last year was just how good their defense was, and the Eagles were able to move the ball. I know yeah. the lack of a quarterback for the Niners you know, obviously hurt, but the Eagles were able to move that ball, and you talked about that non-challenge on the Devontae Smith and just going back to how good of a coach Nick Sirianni is. You saw it again this year on the Devontae Smith catch against the Washington Commanders where they're able to get up to the line, get the ball snapped, and get a playoff before the opposing coach has an opportunity to challenge. And that's something they practice. It's that attention to detail to be prepared for any possible moment in a game to be able to not only practice it, but then have the good coaching that the players execute it perfectly. Those are the type of things that I think sometimes go unnoticed when you're talking about Sirianni as a coach, because not every team in the league is practicing that. Well, I agree with you. And, and I think that, yeah, that that's what, look, the, the tush push thing infuriated me on 75 different levels, like some of the nonsense that's thrown around about it. Right. But the biggest one was, oh, well, the notion, ever, you know, people are going to get hurt. The only team that's gotten injured trying to do it is the Giants, who didn't practice it properly, and their coach said as much. Yeah. Jason Kelsey talking about it said, we practice it more than anybody else. That's why we're so successful, in addition to having Jason Kelsey and Jalen Hurts and all those guys. Yeah. But you're right. There's, there's a level of preparation and attention to detail that the Eagles bring to the table that other teams, frankly, don't bring. And it's lost in Nick kind of reacting and doing some of the Nick stuff just just how prepped his teams are each and every week. That's the biggest that's the biggest misnomer about him. I think people view him as like, oh, he's some meathead who's like a high school quarterback who's screaming or a coach who's just screaming and running around. That's not at all what he is. 
this team is more prepared than any team in the NFL week in and week out. I, I can I can go out on a limb and say that every single time. I hear it all the time. Too. Oh, he's nothing but a cheerleader. Yeah. And it's just because people don't understand what he brings. And we talked about Shaq Leonard earlier. You remember when Sirianni had his first press conference in Philadelphia that didn't go that great. One of the first players that came to his defense was Shaq Leonard right. from Indianapolis to say, hey, listen, you got to give this guy a chance. He's a great football coach. And again, I talked about Jeffrey Lurie to start the show about how lucky we are that we have someone like him. I may have actually said that to Spadaro. You're running together with Dave Spadaro now, Rob. But <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day already for me. But you talk about pace yourself. We got a while yeah. to go, brother. Yeah, we do. Yeah. But you talk about Jeffrey Lurie as a, as a great owner. You look at the coaches. This guy has been able to find. Nobody knew, at least in the public, nobody knew who Nick Sirianni was. Eagles hire him. Look what he's turned out to be. Yeah. Nobody wanted Doug Peterson. He was rated as the worst coaching hire that year. They win a Super Bowl. No one knew who a quarterback coach from Green Bay named Andy Reid was, and they hire him. You look at Lurie, really the only misstep he made in hiring coaches was when he hired the coach that everybody wanted in Correct. Chip Kelly. Correct. No, you're right. It, it's th That's where I give them the most credit is it, Jeffrey Lurie is, is so unafraid to go out of the box. He really is, man. You know, even even taking it back to Ray Rhodes, and I know, you know, it ended up bad in the, in the last year or whatever. He won coach of the year, though, didn't he? He won coach of the year, and he got them in the playoffs right away in 95. And then, yeah, the, you're right. The only chalk one, the only obvious one, the only really pursued in a massive way one was Chip. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think it would have worked out, period. I don't. I think it I think it was all expedited by him giving Chip all that power, you know, his his demise, ultimately. But you're right. For the most part, he's gotten all of these hires right. And none of them were the biggest fan favorites uh, other than Chip, that's for sure. All right, let's come back and let's talk Niners. Let's dig into what they're doing this year, the way things went in that championship game last year. There's Look, there's a lot here. There's a lot with this team. This is a damn good team, and we'll see how the Eagles can uh, can hold up against them both offensively and defensively. He's Bill Calarulo. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you right now about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing – who to trust with your finances can be hard. Can be can be hard finding that right person. Uh, and you work way too hard, way too hard, not to invest your money the right way with the people that you trust that know what they're doing. And Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group absolutely fit that bill. Whether it's retirement planning, insurance review, a 401k review, you might have a small business and you want to get your employee benefits off the ground. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Personally, I've entrusted my IRA my 401k rollover with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. I know you will be too. Give him a call, 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You could also email him as well, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed the most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. That is Bill Calarulo hanging out with us today. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Uh, let's hit the like button if we could. My friends, appreciate it. All right, so, Bill, let's look at the Niners. Eight and three record. They've won three straight. Uh, they started off, you, you know, just, just firing on all cylinders. Then they hit a bit of a lull period, which was kind of surprising in, in some senses. They did have some injuries mixed in there. There was the concussion for Purdy which I think played a little bit of a role in this thing. But um, they went on the road October 15th, lost to Cleveland uh, with P.J. Walker quarterbacking for Cleveland. They lost at Minnesota uh, with the following week, and then they lost to Cincinnati at home. That was still Joe Burrow, by the way. That was 31-17. to 17. Um, But they started off the season winning five in a row, including smashing Dallas 42-10. to 10. They had the bye week after those three straight losses. Then they come back and they've won at Jacksonville convincingly, 34 to 3. They've beaten Tampa 27 to 14. And then they went to Seattle on Thanksgiving night and won 31 to 13. So uh, we're looking at a team that was scorching, cooled, hot again as they enter this Eagles game. Um, give me your overall impressions of the Niners, and then we'll dig into some numbers and some individuals. 
I think they're a really good team. I, I think they're a really good team. I mean, you could look at it. They did lose three straight. I know they didn't have Trent Williams in those games. I don't think they had Debo Samuel in a couple of those games as well. But they're good on both sides of the football. They have a really good offense. They got a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Brock Purdy's a quarterback where I was one of those guys saying, okay, just wait till he comes back down to earth. Just right. wait till he comes back down to earth. Well, he's not coming back down to earth. He is a good quarterback, and it looks like he's going to stay as a good quarterback in this league. And their defense is still a very dominant defense, and they just keep adding pieces to that defensive line. And they have crushed teams. They have crushed teams. I mean, the one silver lining is I went and looked at some of the teams they've beaten. The only team they've beaten that has a top 10 offense is the Dallas Cowboys. So this will be, outside of the Cowboys, the best offense that they've had to play this season. But there's no way around it. They're a good team. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the depth uh, and the 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 amounts. You start on offense, the, the the playmakers. So here they are on offense. They're they're actually amazingly enough they're they're uh, they're tied with the Eagles in terms of points per game at twenty eight point two. They're rushing the ball at one hundred and thirty six per game, which is seventh, and they're passing the ball at two hundred fifty, uh, which is eighth. But the thing here is what really caught my eye, Bill, when when I looked at some of the numbers here. As much as we want to heap praise, rightfully so, on Jalen Hurts' MVP talk, I'm just going to say it. Tell me why Purdy isn't in the MVP discussion. Purdy's thrown for 2,871 passing yards, 19 touchdowns, only six picks. He's completing 70.2% of his passes. He's got a 112 passer rating. Like, why isn't he talked about? In the, is it because he was Mr. Irrelevant? I, I, I don't know. I mean... He's been awesome so far this year. He has been awesome. He, he really has. And I think there's two reasons. Number one, a lot of your national analysts don't like to do what I just did, which is say, hey, look, I was waiting for him to come back down to earth, and he hasn't, and admitting when they were wrong. And everybody was wrong about this guy. No one drafted him. Like you said, he was Mr. Irrelevant. So I don't think people like to admit, hey, we were wrong about this quarterback when he was coming out of college. Mm. And I think the other part is, some of the things that were said about Jalen Hurts last year, he was a system quarterback. I think a lot of people knock Brock Purdy because it is the Kyle Shanahan system. And it is. The reason he's succeeded so well is because he's perfect for that system. I don't think that that should be a negative, though, against Brock Purdy. He does very well in this Kyle Shanahan system. And it is important. I mean, I think, not to stray too far, but if you watch that game last night, the Minnesota Vikings-Chicago Bears game. Oof. You look at Josh Dobbs. He's starting to come back down to earth, and yeah. I think the major problem there is Kevin O'Connell is trying to take Josh Dobbs now and force him to play the Minnesota Vikings style of offense that Kirk Cousins can play. That's not who he is. When they had no prep time and Josh Dobbs came right in off the street, he played some of his best football. Now you're trying to make him play a system he's not good at. So I don't think that should be a knock on Brock Purdy. He just runs this offense really well. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think the, you know, the, the word game manager is thrown around a lot, and, and it's this the, the dirty words. I, I don't think it's dirty words. I think a lot of times it means the guy's playing smart. Number one, and number two, he's utilizing the weapons that he has. He doesn't have to go rogue. He doesn't have to go crazy to win games. So that's not a bad thing. Um, but I certainly think he's more than just that. But that's the, you know kind of the label that he gets that he gets put on him. Um, beyond that, you mentioned McCaffrey, 
He's already got 939 rushing yards, which is almost five yards per carry. 11 touchdowns on the ground. He's caught 48 for 389 and five touchdowns. So he's found the end zone 16 times. He scores every game virtually that he plays. Um, if you're if you're a fantasy owner, as you are of him, yeah, you're loving life, life unless you had him on the years when he got hurt like I did and you weren't loving life. Anyway, yeah. uh, not that I'm bitter. But but anyway, look, he is uh, so dangerous. And I'll tell you, if there's anything that scares me the most, you know, I know there's Kittle. I know there's Debo. I know Ayuk. I, nobody's a slouch there, but he worries me the most uh, just because he can do it so many different ways against this Eagles defense. And the reason I'm so concerned is because who do you put on Christian McCaffrey? Who's going to guard this guy on that Eagles defense? I mean, you figure you got Bradbury and Slay are going to be on the outside. They're not going to be on Christian McCaffrey. So now this is going to come down to the areas that we have been weakest at, our slot corner position, our linebacker position. And Cunningham's been pretty good in pass coverage. Yes. If, he, if he can't go and you got to roll out Christian Ellis – Christian Ellis made some nice plays in that game. He's been really bad in pass defense from that linebacker It's his position. weakness. It's his weakness, yeah. And that has me concerned because you're going up against a team where you can't afford to be bad in pass coverage against guys like Christian McCaffrey, and then you throw George Kittle in the mix, and Debo Samuel lines up in the backfield, in the slot. So I'm concerned about this Eagles defense going up against the Niners offense. Yeah, I, I, I am too. I am too, man. And, and – uh, he has a lot of weapons, Purdy does, aside from McCaffrey at his disposal. I mentioned Kittle. So Kittle's got 46 catches, 670, uh, 67 yards, five touchdowns. Ayuk, 45 catches, 881 yards. You know, Debo's been a little bit banged up, um, but we know what he's capable of doing in the yards after catch. He's built a lot like A.J. Brown. If you're looking for a body comp, those two are very similar. And he can catch a slant, and all of a sudden it's 50 yards instead of being seven, eight yards. Eagles got to be ready to tackle. You can't give up that yak. We always love to talk about yak yards after catch. You have to be able to tackle Debo Samuel because you've seen what this guy can do. He just breaks tackles. A.J. Brown does the same thing. But this Eagles secondary needs to be ready. And, you know, we mentioned it earlier. They can't afford to lose the turnover battle this week. That's been probably the best thing that this Niners offense has done. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They only have 10 turnovers this year, six interceptions, four fumbles. And on defense, they take the ball away a lot. Number two in the NFL in takeaways, number three in the NFL in turnovers on offense. That's going to win you a lot of football games. So the Eagles need to protect the ball, try to create turnovers, but it's not going to be easy against that 49ers. No, it's not. It's not. They present a lot of problems. And look, I I thought I thought Sirianni outcoached Shanahan last year, but that's not the in that matchup. But that's not to say that Shanahan doesn't present a lot of problems. This guy, you know, they're, they're sort of the opposite. There's a lot of window dressing pre-snap stuff with the Niners that you see. The Eagles, you don't get as much of that. It's just not the way that they go about their business. But you're going to see a lot of different things here uh, with this Niners team that, that are going to present problems. This is, this is going to be a really fascinating Sean Desai kind of game. As much as everybody's caught up in Brian Johnson right now, I think it's really a Desai game to try to limit this offense and what they do. The one positive that I'm taking going into this game is you saw what Sean Desai was able to do to that Miami Dolphins high-powered offense, and very similar in some respects. Obviously, different players. Tyreek Hill is the fastest player in the NFL, but a lot of moving around, a lot of motion, a lot of misdirection. 
similar to what this 49ers team does. So let's hope that they're going to be ready. But you're right. And look, whether or not the Eagles bring in a guy like Shaq Leonard, he's not playing this week. So if Zach Cunningham can't go, this is all on Nick Morrow and Christian Ellis. And maybe rookie Ben Van Sumeren is your next guy at line. possible. This is a critical injury list week, you know, seeing how this goes. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm with Lane – I know uh, our Derek Gunn put out uh, a tweet the day of the game that he was hearing it was scar tissue that was kind of broken up in there that gave him some some pain, but he expected him to go in the Niners game. That's obviously huge, and we're going to get to the Niners' defense. I'm setting this up for a reason. But you're you're right. I mean, if Fletcher can't go, man, Zach Cunningham can't go. I don't know that you can overcome some of these injuries with the with the guys who are you going to be throwing in there as backups. With all due respect to them, I just don't know. And you mentioned Fletch. We heap a bunch of praise on these young guys, as we should, with Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. And I think some people aren't realizing how good Fletcher Cox has been this season. And he's playing over 70% of the snaps. He's playing a lot of football, and he's playing really well. It almost was like these young guys fired him up where he said, hey, look, I'm still all pro Fletcher Cox. And he's been playing a lot. So he would be a big loss. I think they could make up for that loss with these young guys if they if they can play well. But my major concern on that defense is is the linebacker position because Kyle Shanahan will figure out a way to completely exploit them. Even if Zach Cunningham is healthy, right? I'm concerned. And I then agree. you have him hurt. And you know, I watched that game last night and it still frustrates me. I said it all all season. I did not want to see the Eagles let TJ Edwards walk. I thought that he was a lot better last year than a lot of people gave him credit for. He played over 94% of the defensive snaps on that Eagles team last year, obviously led them in tackles. But you went into this season with all of your hopes on the Kobe Dean, a guy who had only played 34 snaps. So I just would have loved to have seen them bring back TJ Edwards. Thankfully, they luck out a little bit. And Nick Morrow, they cut him. Nobody picks him up. They're able to bring him back. He's playing well. Zach Cunningham, yeah. they find somehow off the street. Literally on the street. Yeah, just unsigned. Yeah. In, in training camp. But now you're seeing what happens. There's just really no depth at that position. So I wish that's the one area we know. This team, they love to build on the offensive and defensive line. They don't really value the linebacker position. But I just hope that doesn't come back to haunt us here. No, I hear you. All right, let, let's look at their defense. Uh, they add Hargrave. Paid him a lot of money, uh, but they add Hargrave to that defensive line, and he has six sacks this season from the defensive tackle position. They have Nick Bosa, who we know you know what trouble he can be uh, with the eight sacks this season. But it's not just those guys. I, I mean, they're they're sort of the headliners because they're the ones who are you know going to get sacks and you know be disruptive to some degree. But when you start talking about linebacker play, and this is this is you know. There isn't really much comparison with the Eagles when you're talking about Warner and Greenlaw. Their corners now they lost Hafunga, who was yeah. one of their one of the better safeties in the NFL. That's a massive loss, no doubt. But that's a thing, Bill. I mean, there's they're not just a one layer. T- it's not like oh, their defensive line, then everything else falls off a cliff. Not really. I mean, they're just really good across the board. Fred Warner in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion, is the best linebacker in the league. I I absolutely love Fred Warner. If he wasn't on the 49ers, probably be one of my favorite players. Just can't really root for 49ers players. But he's that good. And, you know, I was talking about it earlier about how good this team is against the run. They're number two in the NFL, the 49ers, against the run. 
And some people in the chat were saying, how? Javon Hargrave is so bad against the run. He was so bad last year against the run. Well, it makes it a lot easier when you have a linebacker like Fred Warner behind you protecting against that running game. And I don't even know, did you mention Chase Young that they brought in from the commanders at the trade deadline on that defensive line? Right. No, I haven't. That's a great point. (laughs) They brought in Chase Young. They still have Eric Armstead. I mean, that defense is absolutely stacked. And they are deep on both sides of the football. And really, same philosophy as the Eagles as far as building along the defensive line. But the 49ers also invest in their linebacking core. And that's going to be a major difference between these teams. Yeah, and, and look, the question is, the, the obvious thing is, can you start faster? Can you start faster here than you started the last few games? You generally get to where you need to be. I mean, with all that, all the talk about how bad the first half was, they still end up with 37 points last week. But you got to start a little bit faster. You don't want to be digging the hole that you've dug a couple of times against this team. I just don't, I don't see that being feasible against this Niners team with what they're able to do. You know, getting into it, getting down 10 at the half or getting down 10 in the third quarter or whatever. I, I don't think it's, again, at some point, I don't want to say luck because it hasn't been luck, but your, your good fortune to an extent runs out if you keep pushing that thing too much. No doubt. They have to play a full game. They can't only play a half of football. And you know, Farzee actually said to me when we were watching the game after that first half against Buffalo, he said the good thing about the Eagles is they don't have bad games. They just have bad halves, which is great. Yeah. But against this 49ers team, a bad half is probably going to result in a bad game. That's correct. That's correct. Again, I, I think, you know, it's akin to you're driving around on an E and you're like, I can get to, my, I get to the next exit, man. We'll be fine. And then you're like, yeah, screw it. Let, let's try and go for a couple more exits. It's Kramer, you know, when, when he's driving around in the car. I don't want, I don't think you want to keep doing that because eventually you are going to run out of gas um, against a team like this. But the good thing is, as I mentioned earlier, it looks like Jalen's healthier. I know he's still got the little sleeve on, but he doesn't have a brace. They're calling more runs. They're, they're, there was a little bit more mesh stuff, a little more RPO stuff, although the one was not executed properly, obviously. But that's good. I mean, the, the more that you can throw at them, the more disguises you can throw at them, the more options you can give that defense, the better off you are. Now, as good as the, the Niners are, if you look at it, I mean, Cincinnati was able to carve them up. You know, in week eight, they put up a 31 spot. Um, not a lot of other teams have put up a lot of points. Rams had 23, which is pretty solid, you know, all things considered. But there there are teams that have gotten some points against them. For the most part, they don't give a ton up. But, you know, it's not impossible to get some things done here. Yeah, you look, look the Browns put up 160 yards on the ground. Yeah. Cincinnati Bengals put up 134 yards on the ground. So teams have had some success on the ground against them, but it's not easy. It's not easy. But one thing that we've kind of seen really outside of the Jets game, I'm considering that an outlier because of all those turnovers, but no one's really been able to shut down this Eagles offense for four quarters. They do have that much talent. So really we're, I think the Eagles are going to put up points. I don't think the Niners defense as good as they are is going to be able to completely shut them down but I just hope they don't get outscored. I know that sounds similar, simple because it's, hey, you can't get outscored. But I just hope that our defense shows up and can shut down this Niners offense. I'm not as concerned as good as the Niners defense is. I do think our offense will be able to put up points. I just hope our defense shows up and can shut down their offense. Swing it back to Purdy. Um, are you to the point where you fully trust him in a huge spot? 
Are you, are you there with him? Have you seen enough from him? Were you like, is he, is he in your mind, your, your opinion in the elite category, regardless, even beyond where he was taken and what a great story he is and blah, blah, blah. Like, is he there for you in, in that, if this thing's close coming down to the wire, full trust. I, I would, I would trust Purdy. And, and I said this kind of after they lost their three games in a row and then they went on their bye week and they came out against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I said, hey, now we're going to learn who Brock Purdy is. How does he handle adversity? He finally had some bad games strung together in a row. How is he going to bounce back? And you look at what he's done over the last three weeks and he's kind of bounced back in a big way, had a big game against the Jags. Had over 300 yards against the Bucs. So I do trust Brock Purdy in a big moment. I hate to admit it, but I do. Now, if you're asking me if I'd rather have him over Jalen Hurts in a big moment, no way. No way. And I don't put him in that elite category that I put Jalen Hurts, where Jalen Hurts just has that clutch gene. Purdy, good, very good. Trust him. I don't think he's going to lose a game for the 49ers, but I don't put him anywhere near Jalen Hurts' level. Yeah, I, and this is what you know. If you're if you're backing on your reasons for why the Eagles win the game, I know they'll play against each other. But if you're asking me which quarterback I would prefer in, in a head-to-head, I would take Jalen Hurts. If you're asking me which coach, Sirianni outcoached Shanahan last year. That's big. The game's in Philadelphia. That means something. Um, you know, ultimately, if you're asking me which defense is better, it's San Francisco. Yeah, it's San Francisco all day. The offenses are comparable. I mean, again, you know, you're talking about 28.2 uh, for the Eagles, 28.2 for San Francisco. So they're very, very close in terms of the ability to score. This is going to come down to the Eagles defense, Bill. I keep coming back to this and, and just doing enough to contain. Can you get some turnovers? Can you get home against Purdy and hit him? And, you know, and, and maybe put that thought back in his mind. Like, guess what, man? Remember what happened last year? You know, and here we go again. I, I would expect – see, the Eagles, I, if you look at their pressures and quarterback hits – they're like through the roof. Their sack numbers aren't astonishing like they were last year. That says to me, it's only a matter of time before you start getting home. And, you know, you've seen some spectacular plays. Like every couple of times, Allen got out of jams last week. The week before, Mahomes got out of a couple of jams that normally, like, I don't think Purdy gets out of those jams. I, I think it could be a game where you're looking at multiple sacks. And, you know, frankly, it needs to be a multiple sack game for the Eagles. Definitely a big difference between Brock Purdy and Josh Allen, for sure. Nobody is Josh Allen. No one has his size and his ability to escape the pocket and make plays downfield like we see with him. So I agree with you. I think if the Philadelphia Eagles can create pressure on Purdy, they can win this football game. It's the exact reason why they won the NFC Championship game and being able to knock him out. But let's hope. Let's hope because you know one of the problems that I've seen with this defense is, yeah, they're getting a lot of pressures. They're getting a lot of quarterback hits. The sack number isn't as bad as some people would expect. I haven't done the, the analysis now over the last two games, but on their bye week, I looked at their sack total at the bye, and I compared it to the same amount of games from last year, and they actually had one more sack this year than they did through nine games last year. And we all know how the last year's season ended with them getting 70 sacks. So, But the problem, I think, is, you look at the way these corners and this secondary plays against these receivers, and they're giving them these eight-yard cushions. So quarterbacks are able to get rid of the ball quicker when they start to experience pressure. And we talk about this a lot, me and Seth Joyner, during the games. 
Seth would love to see these corners get up in these receivers' face. Put pressure. Force the quarterback to have to make a decision when he's getting pressured, when you got corners in their face. They haven't really done that this year. They've given these guys an opportunity to get rid of the football and not take the sack. So you're seeing a lot of pressures, a lot of hits, but not as many sacks as I think we're all hoping. Maybe this week they get up in their face, but it just doesn't seem to be the type of defense that Sean Desai and even Nick Sirianni want them to play. Yeah, I mean, I, look, there were a couple times um, – I think we've seen – I think Desai is a little bit more aggressive than Gannon. Ultimately, I think I – don't, I don't know that people – fully grasp that this is what the organization wants to do. Yeah. You know, they hire guys who run a certain scheme because they don't want to give up big plays. You're never, I'm not going to say never, but I don't think you're going to see anybody come in here to run the defense. Who's going to be a Jimmy, you know, a Jim Johnson, aggressive wink Martindale, you know, balls to the wall, send the house. They don't believe in that kind of thing. Um, but I do think Desai is more aggressive in terms of being willing to send some extra people, some extra bodies uh, than Gannon was. Now, maybe some of that is out of necessity, you, you know, whatever. But the problem, too, is when you send extra pressure, do you really want this secondary in zero coverage where it's like one-on-one -on -one stuff? I, I don't know that you do. You know, I'm, I'm encouraged by, I thought, I thought Bradbury and Slay played very well last week. And maybe they're starting to get their act together some. But it's been a tough year for those two guys, especially Bradbury. And he, again, he was much better last week. But all things told, it's been a tough year. Yeah, I was concerned that maybe Bradbury and Slay were starting to take a step back. You know, they are both over 30. Yeah. And you could start to lose a step quickly in this league. But I agree with you. I think they played a lot better of a football game. But when, when you talk about blitzing the quarterback, it is. I know fans in this town all remember the Buddy Ryan era and want that gangrene back, but you just don't blitz a lot anymore in the NFL. That's not the modern-day NFL. And this Philadelphia Eagles team, I'm looking at the numbers now, their blitz percentage is 23.2%. And that puts them about middle of the pack in the NFL. There's only a handful of teams that blitz over 30% of the time. There's only two teams that blitz more than 40%, and you mentioned Wink Martindale for the Giants. He blitzes 41%. And then the Minnesota Vikings, is that Brian Flores is their D coordinator now? That is correct. He blitzes 43% of the time. So there's not many defensive coordinators who do it. And I'll tell you what, man, you couldn't pay me to have Wink Martindale as my defensive coordinator. I don't like that style of defense. I know it's an exciting thing for fans to watch. Say, hey, hey, blitz the quarterback, blitz the quarterback. The quarterbacks in this league are just too damn good now. Yep. against the blitz that as are the coordinators they're, they're seeing what's going on yeah. yeah they will just pick you apart and you look at last year's numbers gannon blitzed 22 percent of the time which was 15th in the nfl this year sean Desai's blitzed 23 percent, which is right around the same number middle yeah. of the pack so yeah yeah i mean but that's what it's going to be it's not going to change that that again that comes from above that that is the organizational philosophy as far well, as that stuff goes what's interesting rob is i think if People talked about that Jets defense. A lot of people talk about how good the Jets defense is, how good of a defensive coach Robert Sala is. Mm -hmm. They are the 32nd team in blitz rate. They only blitz 15.5%. That is last in the NFL. I think that would surprise a lot of people. Say, oh, the Jets have such a great defense. They're so aggressive. They don't blitz a lot. But, but the thing is, the other part is you don't need – you. Sh if you have a really good defensive line like the Eagles do, like the Jets do, you don't need to blitz a ton. 
Yeah. Blitzing is done when you can't get pressure with your front four or five, depending on you know, whatever your alignment is or your three or however you, you go about it. The, the Eagles, that's one of the, they invest a lot of money and resources in their defensive line. You think about it. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox are all first round picks. What, what was Milton Williams, third or fourth round? I, I think he was a third rounder. All right, third round. He was the one where uh, they had the camera in the draft room and it looked like the one scout was angry that, that Howie Roseman drafted Milton Williams. Bill Donahue. I think it was Bill Donahue, I think. Uh, yeah. Anyway, or Tom Donahue. Tom Donahue from uh, who, was, who was in Pittsburgh forever. Yes, I agree. I, yes. But beyond that, you know, they, they, Brandon Graham's a first rounder. Uh, you know, Hassan Reddick was a, even though he's a free agent, but he was a first round. Like, like my point is they have major resources, both financially and in draft capital in that defensive line for a reason because they believe that that front can get home without having to send extra pressure. That's part of the philosophy. That's why the Jets don't blitz a lot. That's why a lot of teams who have a good defensive front don't blitz a lot, because those guys get home, bottom yeah. line. All right. Yeah, and I see people yeah. in the chat real quick talking about Kansas City. That's Steve sure. Spagnola blitzes a lot. Yep. Kansas City blitzes 34% of the time, which is sixth in the NFL. So they do blitz a lot more than the Philadelphia Eagles, but not, not by much. I mean, still only 34% compared to you know, 23% for the Eagles. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's get a timeout. We will uh, we'll talk a little Sixers, Bill. Uh, they should get their just due here. When you win 138 to 94 over the Lakers, you get a little time, man. So we'll talk a little Sixers when we come back. Uh, we have our NFL segment coming up after that. Tons to get into. Last night's Monday night football game. That it wasn't just Frank Reich who who was given the axe. There there's a couple a uh, couple guys with the Eagles ties also. Deuce. Got yeah, Deuce. Deuce is out. Yeah, you look at it from Deuce's standpoint. Could have stayed in Detroit. He he chose to leave. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll talk about that as well. A lot of other stuff to get into uh, on this Tuesday. He is Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about Pro Action Restoration. You guys know I've been going through some stuff here at the house because of a flood from one bathroom, which went into another bathroom and caused damage to my ceiling. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill to uh, my my walls, to my carpet, you name it. Uh, so I reached out to Pro Action Restoration and they fixed the problem. Uh, they have brought in their contractors to take care of the, uh, the drywall work that needs to be done, the painting that needs to be done, the carpet work that needs to be done, all those kind of things. And it has been a, a massive relief that they, it's, it's basically one-stop shopping, okay? So if you have any issues in terms of water, fire, smoke, mold damage, to a property that you own, they are the people to reach out to. ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist, and they are licensed, bonded, fully insured, serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, something else you're not sure about, just give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or you can hit them up online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProAction restoration.com go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits 
Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, Bill Colarillo in for Derek and Tone. I am Rob Ellis. Uh, if you could hit the like button, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, friends, we appreciate it. All right, digress for a minute to uh, to some Sixers, Bill. I don't know how much you got a chance to see last night, but they beat the Lakers 138-94, to and Bede goes for a triple-double, 30-11-11. and uh, Team now 12-5 and on the season. Two observations from the game. A, the Sixers played extremely well. Embiid and Maxi were phenomenal. The Lakers couldn't have been more disinterested, uh, discombobulated, uh, brutal. Uh, collectively, it had it had a it had like a like a late January uh, feel to it in terms of players not caring, and we're only in still November. Uh, but 
it's part of the issue with the league. But anyway, give me your thoughts on what's going on with the Sixers. Hit the nail on the head, man. Maxi and Embiid played really well. You talk about the triple-double that Embiid have. He didn't even play yeah. in the fourth quarter. It was rest. amazing. But the two ga- the two-man game that Embiid and Maxi play, and when they play it well, it's almost impossible to stop. And you saw it last night. Every read they made was right. And when they're hitting their shots, they're a tough team to defend. But Lakers did look disinterested, and that's the problem with this league. You said it. And I've said this multiple times that this in-season tournament, the NBA Cup that they're trying to roll out, to me, should be a cautionary tale for the NFL. Because what makes the NFL so damn great is that every game matters. And with basketball and with hockey and with baseball, there's so many games that every regular season game doesn't matter. So now you have the NBA trying to implement an in-season tournament to make regular season games mean something. And the reason I say it should be a cautionary tale for the NFL is be careful how much you extend this regular season. They went from 16 to 17. We know they're going to go to 18. That's inevitable. But I think they better stop there because we love that the NFL is a week-to-week league, man. One week we're going to the Super Bowl. The next week we want our coach fired. That's just the beauty of the NFL because every game matters. And you saw it last night. Lakers didn't care. That game didn't matter. They could lose that game. They were disinterested. It was a random Monday night in November. So just be careful, NFL, that you don't turn into the NBA with way too many games. But, hey, don't take anything away from our Sixers. They dominated start to finish. Well, really not start to finish. Lakers did come out Lakers strong. Lakers started off well, actually. Yeah, Lakers yeah. started out strong in the first quarter. And Embiid, it looked like he was going to be in some foul trouble. Two fouls early. Smart move by Nick Nurse. He rolled the dice. Great job by Nick Nurse. And I think they switched to a zone defense at that point to try to protect him, which is a good sign that they have the ability to do that down the stretch if they need to. But, look, my goal for this Sixers team is just keep winning, stay relevant, stay in the playoff top eight eight spots for this playoff spot so that when the trade deadline gets here, we have the assets now after they got rid of Harden, they finally have some flexibility that maybe a player becomes available that we can make a move for and make some noise in this Eastern Conference. Because as good as they are right now, and Maxi may be your most improved player in the NBA this year, I still think they're missing that third piece. So just keep winning these regular season games. Keep in the top eight so that you get a playoff spot. Well, actually, right, doesn't the top ten get into the playoffs now in the NBA? Yeah, yeah there's the, <laughs> then there's the play-in. Uh, yeah, you get the, the play-in. But just stay relevant right. so that we have some options with Daryl Morey at the trade deadline, but well, a big I mean, win. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it right now, they're tied for the second best record um, in the Eastern conference. It's pretty impressive, right? I mean, 12 and five uh, with the magic and with the bucks, the yeah. only team ahead of them right now is the Celtics who were 13 and four. I mean, and, and, and if you go out the West, the, the best record in the West is 12 and four. So they, they have the second most wins in basketball. Um, to start. So I think you, you, all things considered as chaotic as it was in the beginning of the year, we didn't harden status. He was still here for a minute, you know, new coach, you know, the whole thing. I'd say if you're a Sixers fan and I get it, most Sixers fans are going to respond, call me in this, you know, when they get to the second uh, round, I get it. I understand. 
But if you're a fan of the team and a fan of the sport, they are fun to watch. They have been an enjoyable team that gives you effort. I feel like night in and night out. Um, and again, you, you don't want to jump in. Don't, don't jump on, but it's, it, they have been fun to watch. And if you're again, Maxi to me is pure entertainment. The way that he plays the game, the speed in which he plays the game, the heart in which he plays the game, uh, you know, 31 and eight last night, but you're right. It, they have become a killer, killer combo. He and he and Embiid, they have really found their rhythm now. And I think it's obvious. The nice thing is you've cut away a lot of the fat and it's just like, it's those two, and then it's everybody else. And you know that with Harden being out of there. That's the nice thing. And they're well coached. Yes. Look, we we all complained about Doc Rivers over the years. And one of the worst things was, God forbid you question Doc Rivers after a game. Oh. I mean, how dare you question you, you the question great Greg Popovich and that Doc matter? Rivers, exactly. Yeah. And I think they are really well coached, and you're seeing it. And they are a fun brand of basketball to watch. And they're a likable team you know one of my problems with this team was I wanted to like them I wanted to like James Harden but he was a tough guy to like you knew what his past was he was hard to really get you knew he wasn't going to probably be here very long it was only a matter of time before he turned you had the whole Ben Simmons fiasco now you have a likable team Maxie is impossible not to like constantly has a smile on his face plays really aggressively he's not Allen Iverson he's not on that level but I love the way he plays it with speed, kind of the way Allen Iverson played with speed approaching the basket. And they have some other really likable guys on this team. I think Pat Bev's a likable guy. Ubre was likable to me until this whole, yeah, whether I don't know, conspiracy theory, whatever that the hell's thing, going on. That's been real quiet, man. Crazy, man. Somebody. He, got by the to, way, he may be back on this road trip they have coming up. He he might be back for for this weekend. And I, I hope he is because I did like what he added to this team. And the Anthony Melton's likable, especially when he's hitting shots, man. So they do. They're a likable team. If you're a fan of basketball, if you're a fan of the Sixers, get on. Because, look, I don't have any crazy visions that they're going to win an NBA championship with the way they're assembled right now. Maybe. But they are fun to watch. And they do have flexibility that when the trade deadline comes, they may be able to add a piece to put them over the top. Yeah, absolutely. And that, to me, is going to be so interesting to watch like if you're still in this kind of contention like you're close you're your third your fourth whatever you are you're right there in your conference do if you're daryl Morey, do you say man we got a shot right in front of us we add a piece to this Embiid maxi thing you know this is a little more wide open than it's been let's make a move or do you say look we got ourselves back in a position where we can really be players this offseason with all the money that we have, all the guys coming off the books, it's basically going to be just Embiid and Maxi, and I think Jaden Springer or whatever. But like everybody else is gone. Do I just hang on to all these expirings, let them walk, use those first rounders, and go crazy in the offseason? I, I, it's a really tough call for, for, for the front office. I just, I think you got to make a move when you can make it, hopefully sooner rather than later. How many more years do we have? of Joel Embiid playing at this MVP level. He's going to be 30 in March. He's yep. not not a young guy anymore, and he's a big guy. An old so you, 30, too, with that body. Yeah, he, he's going to start to deteriorate quickly. I just don't want to waste any years. So if somebody's available, I say, hey, go all in, because as good as the Celtics are, as good as the Bucks are, they're beatable. They're not the Golden State Warriors from a couple of years ago where you just knew they were going to dominate everybody. So 
I'd like to see them make a move if someone comes available. I know Zach Levin was a guy a lot of people were talking about earlier in the season. That's kind of quieted, though. I haven't heard anything about him getting moved now. Yeah, that has been quiet. And there, look, that's a that that's a classic case of NBA limbo, the hell, you know, the Bulls. It's like they've been okay the last. They're not good this year. They're five and thirteen, but they've been okay the last few years, but not good enough. It's exactly precisely where you don't want to be in that league. You either got to be, you know, good or really bad to be able to get good again. Um, so I, I think they are going to make moves. The the Bulls. I think there's going to be some pretty good players available. But do you want to take years on that? You know, that's the yeah, thing. That's the, the, other, the other thing you could do is you can make a move and just take on a guy who's expiring also, you know, and, and, and see what it what it nets you this year. But you make a good point with Embiid. Not only how many years do you have left, but how's his patience level? You know, another year where you're bounced in the second round, at some point, most of these guys in this league say, to you know, look, I want a chance to win. I want to go elsewhere. And how close is Embiid to that point? Like, he seems to love the city. He, you know, obviously gets along with Maxi. I think he really likes Nick Nurse and, and all. It's the only professional place he's ever played. But he's he's looking at it like we're looking at it. Like, I've been in this league for a long time, man. I'm 30 years old. I want a chance. So that's the danger of not doing anything, just hoping that he'll continue to be patient. And that's one of the major issues with the NBA is if a star wants to leave, they're going to get out. Yes. They, they, they control where they play now. It's, it's a different world these days. So I agree with you. How much longer is Embiid going to be patient? Definitely Nick Nurse helps because he is a good coach, and I think yeah. Embiid does respect him, and he's got a great relationship with Maxi. But, yeah, they can't keep wasting these years. And, look – I know Embiid won't admit to this, but part of the reason they haven't gotten out of the second round has been Embiid hasn't played well enough in the playoffs. Yep. So he needs to play better as well. So I hope that he wouldn't just say, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna jump ship here and go somewhere else because he's also been part of the issue why they can't get out of the second yeah, round. Yeah, like, and I don't pretend to know where he is, his mindset is. But you're yeah. right. There, there's got to be some accountability. The, the common denominator, you know, it's been Brett Brown, it's been Doc Rivers, now it's Nick Nurse. It's been... You know, Ben Simmons and Harden, you know, we we all know the, the the cast of characters that have run through here. But who's the who's the guy who's been here the whole time through all that? It's Joel. And whether it's he's not healthy enough or just doesn't show up in a game seven like that Boston game, like he and Harden didn't show up. Whatever, man. Like you've been here too. So there is definitely there is ownership that should be taken, but we know a lot of times in the league that ownership isn't taken by the players. They just view it as get me on to another place that gives me the best chance to win. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And, and, and you know, look, Jake makes some good points. Do they get out of the second round? I, I don't know, Jake. I mean, if I look at it right now, if you're asking me, I'd probably lean towards no. I'm being honest. Not with the way they are. Not with the way the team is assembled now. And then you figure probably in the second round they're going to have to play the Bucks or the or the Celtics most likely. And that's, that's a tough ask in a seven-game series. Right, they play seven games in the second round, don't they? Yes, yes. It used to be five, five games at one point in the first. Oh, no, round. second. I'm sorry that 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 set the the first the second round. Yeah, the second round seven. They played Boston. And it was seven games last year. Yeah, it, it, are all of them seven now? I keep forgetting because the NBA changed. It Not all be, of them. Not all of them. They no. keep at changing their their playoffs. Yeah, like what? Uh, so, I guess that would that would be called the divisional. And then it'd be the semis, right? So the divisional would be seven, if that makes sense. The series prior to that, for example, let's just go back to last year, okay? 
So last year, we know they lost in seven to Boston in the second round. They beat Brooklyn, if you remember. Uh, actually, they, they did. They made the first round seven games, too. Yeah, first round seven, too. I'm looking at it yeah. now. Yeah, first yeah. round seven, too. It used to only be five, That's I correct. think. And then they, they realized they needed to shorten it but uh, or extend it. So, yeah, so it's tough to try to beat a team in seven games. You could sometimes upset a team in five games. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Seen, you, uh, the, maybe the lesser team only having to win three could help. Exactly. You but almost, when yeah. you have a seven game series, it's tough to beat a team that's that's better than you. That's more talented than you are. So but hey, another team in this town. Rob, yeah, let's go some Flyers. Yes, you know, I'm going there. Let's Is this it. Philadelphia Flyers team? You talk about Nick Nurse has the Sixers playing some good basketball. John Tortorella has this Flyers team playing some really good hockey. And I try to talk about it on my show, but I know a lot of our listeners and viewers aren't hockey fans. Yeah. But if you are a hockey fan, this Flyers team's fun to watch. They're talented. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say they're talented. They have some young talent, but they're playing really good hockey. Tortorella has them playing really hard. They had won five in a row. They did lose to the Rangers, bounce back. Yeah. Winning on Saturday against the Islanders, and they have a big game tonight. Tonight's a big one against the Carolina Hurricanes. Both teams, two and three in the Metropolitan, they're a fun team to watch. They no, play hard. They are. Um, it, you know, if you're looking at the Flyers, are right there. The Flyers have played one more game. But the Flyers are eleven nine and one. Carolina's twelve eight and zero. So you, they're just a point behind them right now. Um, I, here's what here's what I like, and I heard Keith Jones talking about this, and, and I thought it was dead on. He said, um, "Any he would he for, I'll, I'll hit a couple things that he that he mentioned. He said any deal we make is always with an eye towards the future. Um, if it gets us better now in the interim, great. But we are not going to sacrifice the future to make a deal. We're done doing that kind of thing. I love hearing that. Which means, hey, if we're surprisingly in this thing to make a playoff run, and we we feel like there's a young guy who's buried on a bench somewhere, and he can help us going forward, we're going to make a move. We're not going to not make a move." Um, but I think what they're doing is, Bill, they're learning on the fly without a losing culture. In other words, the Sixers went through the process and didn't worry that all that losing would kind of give you loser vibes. And I think that it, that kind of thing rubbed off a little bit on Embiid and, and some of the other guys when they were in the middle of it. They're not Flyers aren't trying to do that. They're trying to win, but also do it the right way through draft picks, through smart moves, you know, being cap sound and all those kind of things. They finally got to a point where they knew band-aiding this thing wasn't going to work anymore. And it took them forever to get to that point. Too so long. I think they get it. I think they're headed the right path. Are they a playoff team? I think they can sneak into the playoffs for sure. Um, are they a great team? No. I mean, the, you just see they, they lack talent. You really see it on the power play. You see it in certain situations, but they play tough. And all you're doing this year is weeding out the guys who you don't want going forward. And there, and it's cool to be in on the ground floor of what's happening with them right now. Absolutely. And, and in the offseason, I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a long time before these Flyers are fun to watch again. Yep. And they're fun to watch. They, they are. are fun to watch because, like you said, they don't have a ton of talent, but they do have some good young talent. They're playing really, really hard. They're getting good goaltending. Carter Hart's been playing well. Even Samuel Urson, their backup goalie, is giving them some good He's games. well. Yeah. He's giving them some good games. And you're seeing some bounce back years from some guys because Travis Sanheim was a defenseman on their team that I was really high on when they got him. And he didn't have a great couple of years. He's bounced back in a big way. He's, He's playing a lot of minutes. Yeah. Leads the team in points. 
is in the top five, I think, in the NHL in, in time on ice. So he's playing a lot of hockey. But they got some good young players, too, that are just fun to watch. And you see now Morgan Frost is starting to contribute a little bit. Farabee's still contributing. So if you guys were hockey fans and you tuned them out over the last couple of years, it may be a time to put them back on because they're not a bad product. I think Tortorella woke Frost up. You know, I, I think he I think there were certain guys that got accustomed to, hey, I'm, I was drafted where I was drafted. And it's kind of a right, not a privilege. And Tortorella, it doesn't matter who you are, especially on this kind of roster. You'll, you'll be a healthy scratch in two seconds if he doesn't like something he's seeing in practice. You can trust me when, when I tell you that. And we were talking about a lot of Philadelphia fans miss those Buddy Ryan years of yeah. the, the Blitzen. Well, a lot of Philadelphia fans miss the Broad Street Bully years. And they're not the Broad Street Bullies, but there's a couple guys on this team that are not afraid to drop the gloves. You got Nick DeLaurier. Yep. You have this other guy, uh, Garnet Hathaway. I mean, they throw their body around, and they will drop the gloves. So they're fun. I, I've been really enjoying watching these fly guys. I agree with you. I And I, I, I think it's – the other thing is just uh, – this is like a bigger picture thing. It's just good for the city to have them relevant again. I mean, it, there have been so many years where it was just like – like you almost got annoyed thinking about them or talking yep. about them. And, and now it's back to – you at least think that they're they're being run the right way. And you know the other thing that's important. I know this this doesn't seem like it's important, but it is to have faces of people that you want to trust, that you want to like, Jonesy, Briere, those guys, as opposed to the corporate whatever that was, you know, for for a bunch of years. It's just they're in a much better place, I think, in the Philadelphia community. Uh, they're still fourth in the pecking order. It's going to take them a while to chip away at that. And I think the Sixers, in, in a similar way, people were annoyed and frustrated and kind of had enough with the Harden stuff. But getting Harden out of here, bringing in Nick Nurse, I think sort of reinvigorated a lot of people with the Sixers team because they were they were on in that very same category. Like it was more more discussed. The Flyers, it was apathy. With the Sixers, it was discussed. And I think people are back for both of those teams. Definitely was a smart move by the organization to name Briere and Jonesy to high-level roles. Because you're yeah. right. Once you guys have likable guys and Jonesy, it's amazing he jumped from being obviously a, a player, but then he was kind of a you know, silly, inappropriate guy on the radio, and now he's running this damn Flyers team, and he's such a likable guy. So, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I don't think, like I said, that they have enough talent to, to make it to the Stanley Cup or anything like that. But if they could stay relevant and sneak into the playoffs – Man, I love playoff hockey. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, last one on the Eagles, and then we'll we'll break and we'll dive into our NFL segment. But did you see what Hassan Reddick had to say regarding the uh, the Niners? Loved that was, it. That was great. Loved. Well, I loved it because, you know, a lot of times these players will just say, oh, well, you know, it's just any other game. But yeah. I just love that he was honest and said what everybody else has been saying, where, look, you guys have been whining now for a year. Now come back. Come back to our building and let's do this. Yeah, this is courtesy of KYW and Dave Uram. Quote, talk is cheap. Uh, they get to come back in the link. It was a lot of boo-hoos last year, a lot of crying, a lot of what-ifs, a lot of this, a lot of that. They get a chance to come back in here, line that bleep up, and prove it again. Good. Good for you, man. I mean, it's okay to acknowledge that, you know what, we get we, we heard it. You know, we heard all of it. We heard, we heard about Jalen was a quarterback, a system quarterback from a kicker. We heard, you know, basically your coach, every one of your players. Like if I was John Lynch, Bill, I would have put a stop to that really early in the offseason. Like, yo, guys, enough. 
I get it. You feel however you feel. I don't want to hear any more of it. It, but, But, you know, he didn't. And I like John Lynch, but like, I thought it was ridiculous how long the crying went on with these guys. It was nonstop. It was nonstop. Yeah, Debo, Debo Samuel was on oh. shows, and I mean, and, and then I mean, look, you expect that kind of stuff from maybe their their sports talk radio, but the fact that it was coming from the players and it went on for so long, I agree with you that no one in the 49ers organization said, "Hey, guys, enough's enough. You, you're making yourselves look bad here." Like, there's no way that Nick Sirianni slash Howie would not have addressed this real quick, and that's where I give the Eagles credit. Is bad, you know, there were a lot of things that went on in the Super Bowl. Obviously, the turf. But there was the the hold on Bradbury and all that, and and Bradbury to his credit, immediate yeah I held like yeah I, I held my bad uh, and, and and most of the players really went out of their way to avoid any of the the turf stuff as well. I thought the Eagles handled their business a lot better uh, than than San Fran has handled their business for sure. But hey, look, I guarantee you, we have not heard the end of this thing. It's only going to ramp up as this week goes on. Once these guys get back to practice. And the Eagles aren't practicing today, though they're back at it tomorrow. But once everything gets back, woo, look out. This week is going to be nuts. This is going to be absolute playoff kind of feel of a week. Well, you mentioned some of the whining and some of the things that were said. I don't know if you said it. Debo Samuel literally referred to James Bradbury as trash. trash. Yeah, and doesn't year. regret it, by the way. And doesn't regret it. So I agree. I mean, look, it's only Tuesday, and we're already fired up about this 49ers game. I think it's going to – and you're already seeing it on all the, the sports shows and Sports Center and the NFL. This is going to be the game of the week. A lot of people are waiting for this, but probably none more than the Philadelphia Eagles fans because we could not wait to get this team back yeah. in the link. Unbelievable. All right, let's, uh, let's come back. Let's dive into the NFL. We'll get a little bit more into the Frank Wright thing. David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, spoke today. He made one thing really abundantly clear, which I want to I want to throw at you and, uh, and the audience as well. But I want to get to a bunch of other stuff regarding that because there was more fallout besides Reich. We'll talk about who else got got whacked. A bunch of moves around the league, some injuries to watch out for uh, as well. So we'll get into a bunch of stuff. You and I haven't really gone over the games from last week as well, so we'll do that also. So we got a lot to do between now and the end of the program. He is Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Time for me to tell you about the great folks at Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. They are experts, experts, excuse me, at trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. You could go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information. Or to get a sampling of their work, give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Oh, yeah. We're back. That's Bill. I'm Rob. We're hanging out with you on this Tuesday. Appreciate you hanging with us. We are Sports Take. All right, Bill. So let's hit a couple things NFL-wise. It was not a thing of beauty uh, last night. You're probably not sending the tape uh, of that offensive, those offensive performances to Canton anytime soon. Uh, and a bad loss for the Vikings, quite frankly. Uh, you know, a team that had really overachieved in a lot of ways without Justin Jefferson, without for a long stretch now Kirk Cousins, you know, it was, it was the feel-good story. They brought in Josh Dobbs, who, who got traded over from the from the uh, Cardinals. And it looked like, man, they might have a real shot at being a playoff team. Uh, and still do, quite frankly. But that's a bad loss last night uh, to the Bears at your place uh, on, on a basically a walk-off field goal. Not 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 a good performance at all. And just an overall boring game to watch. Man. Very. A, lot, a lot of field goals. I'm sure Monday Night Football was really happy to have that product. <laughs> but and as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, to be a little bit self-interested here, we yeah. need the Vikings playing some good football because they're going to have two games coming up against the Detroit Lions to finish True. this season. And even though I agree with you what you said earlier about how the Lions don't really scare you as much, they're getting a lot of hype just because they were bad for so many years. When you looked at their schedule, they looked like they had the easiest 
remaining schedule. Well, they went down on Thanksgiving Day, thankfully, almost lost to the Chicago Bears the week before. But there are two more games against the Vikings. So it'll be nice to see the Vikings win one of those games to make things a little bit easier for the Eagles to get that number one seed. But, you know, what bothered me was Josh Dobbs because he is a great story. I, I like Josh Dobbs when he's been given opportunities in other places. He plays well, especially yeah. coming off the street. And his best games in Minnesota were when he just got there and he didn't know the offense. And it looks to me like Kevin O'Connell now is trying to force him into the system of the Vikings offense. And now that he's been there, they got him under center. They got him running some play action. He played better when he came in and just was able to use his natural ability. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the issues you're seeing with, with Kevin O'Connell trying to force a player into the system as opposed to creating a system around the player, which remember Doug Peterson was so damn good that year. And Frank Reich yeah. mentioned Frank Reich earlier. That's what they did for Nick Foles is they really did what let's create a system that Foles is really good at. Mm -hmm. As opposed to saying, "Hey, you're going to play the same offense we do with Carson Wentz." That's coaching, man. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. And you know what? I I think Kevin O'Connell is a good coach, and I think he will realize, you know, maybe the error his ways, um, and go back to what was working uh, best. But he he better do it real quick, or else they're going to be in trouble. I know they're getting Jefferson back, likely out of the. They have a buy, right? I think they have the buy, and then they play. So uh, we'll definitely got to go back to the lab a little bit there uh, for that one. But if you look at the standings of where things are right now in the East. So obviously the Eagles are one at 10 and one that it's San Fran, eight and three Detroit, eight and three Atlanta slotted in as the, as the four seed because they're leading that, that trash division at five and six. Then it's the Cowboys at eight and three Seattle, six and five Minnesota, six and six. They're your top seven right there. So Minnesota is still, still has a very good chance to, to sneak in there uh, with the way things are right now, especially if you get a Jefferson back, but yeah, that was uh that was just what, you know, the thing is early in that game, Chicago was, was moving the ball up and down the field. And, you know, there are times where Justin Fields looks great. And then there are other times you just kind of scratch your head with the guy. I, I don't like, they're going to have a tough call. What do you do? Like there's certain teams, like, what do you do? Because you're going to be picking Chicago's going to as let's not forget this Carolina's picks. Like if you're them, are you taking a quarterback? And they're, they're going to have two in the top yes. five, aren't they? Theirs and, and Carolinas. I don't see how you I don't see how you can give up on fields just yet. But it's an interesting it's an interesting dilemma that the Chicago Bears are going to find themselves in. It's funny though because you go back to the offseason. Remember all the chatter that Justin Fields was going to take the leap that Jalen Hurts took this season, yeah. and you were going to see Justin Fields turn into the next Jalen Hurts. But yeah, he does look so damn talented at times, and then other times you're like, man, this guy's not going to be a franchise quarterback in this league. But, yeah, it's hard because you do have two opportunities, Chicago, to maybe draft a quarterback. I guess you got to see how the rest of these games go. You know, he yeah. was injured for a little while. Let's see what Justin Fields does the rest of the way, and this can be an audition for him. But, yeah, Chicago's in a good spot with draft picks, unlike Carolina, and oh. you mentioned hearing their owner talk. It almost sounded like cause during the break I just went and listened to some of his – press conference it sounds like he was trying to convince himself Correct. of some of the decisions that they made so let's go there because there's a look there's a lot of bad owners uh daniel snyder was was you know the top of the heap and then you know jim ursay there, there's a lot of bad owners in, in that league tepper's right there he doesn't have the reputation yet i don't think or at least he's starting to get it now but he's a meddler he's impatient 
you, you look at the number of coaches he's run through in the since he's been there during his tenure, which I think started in like 18 or something like that, whatever. He's ripped through a lot of coaches. One of the things he said, he made it abundantly clear that we, you know, we're, we, we believe we made the right draft pick with Bryce Young. Now, that's fine. You should back your guy. You shouldn't bail on him already. That There's nothing wrong with that. But what he was really doing was saying, we didn't make the right hire with the coach. This is all on Frank Reich. Here's the other fascinating part to this, Bill. So the, the interim coach is the special teams co- coach, Chris Tabor, right? Now, they did that because they want the offensive guys just working on Bryce Young and not even worrying about a lot of the other. That's why they didn't make one of the offensive coaches the interim coach. Chris Tabor comes out and says today, yeah, I'm the one who fired Deuce Staley and Josh McCown. Damn, man. Whoa. Yeah, I didn't know people realize that the Deuce is out and, and, and McCown, two former Eagles, are both on the street as well. This was uh, – there's a lot of fingers being pointed uh, at some of the guys who were in charge of this offense and and obviously Frank Wright. I don't understand it because – you listen to the chatter around the league. Not only does Frank Reich have a good reputation, Deuce Staley has a great reputation. Josh McCown hasn't been a coach for as long as these guys, but he has a good reputation as an offensive mind. So for them to just say, hey, we're going to completely clean house, and now it's coming from your interim head coach, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if it was the, necessarily the right move, but it is interesting. But you may you touched on this a little earlier. If you're a good head coach or a good head coaching candidate in this league, I don't want to go to Carolina. No, no. I mean, there's only 32 of them, and you get paid very well, and it's prestigious, so someone's going to take it. But I'd be very careful there with that guy owning owning that team. I would be very, very careful. He, and he, he also said in the press conference, which just rubbed me the wrong way, I mean, I know this is the case with any team, but you don't need to say it. When they were talking about how they came to the consensus to draft Bryce Young, right. he made clear everyone knew that if he vetoed the majority decision, he could have vetoed it because that's the way they do things here. Like, oh. and I, I would never imagine Jeffrey Lurie coming out no. after a draft pick saying, hey, if I wanted the other guy, I would have taken him. Like, relax, man. You're the owner. Let, let yeah. the guys that you hire do their job. I see these guys, man, whether it's owners or general managers, whatever, around the league, in sports in general, but but specific to the NFL, what we're talking about right now. And it just makes me thankful that the Eagles have Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, guys who know what the heck they're doing. Because there are a lot of – that's the, the, the thing that people assume is because you were extremely successful in some other line of business that you're going to be successful in, in this. And it doesn't always translate. Like David Tepper's a brilliant businessman. Nobody denies that. But he has no idea how to run a football team. He doesn't know the right people to hire. He doesn't know when to get out of the way. I mean, he he's a mess. He's a mess. It, that's a that's a they're not going to be right for maybe as long as he owns them. I'll tell you that right now. And that's the reason why you see some NFL franchises have a lot more success than others. It it's it's ran like a business, you know, but like you said, just because you were good at one business doesn't mean you're going to be good at running an NFL team, but it is run like a business. And if you don't know how to run your NFL organization, you're not going to have a lot of success. And that's why you see some of these organizations just continue to suffer year after year after year because they just have such bad ownership and it trickles down. Yeah. Uh, all right. So a couple other odds and ends NFL wise, Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show and said, uh, we're not where I can make a decision on playing yet. I, I got to tell you, other than an ego stroke for him, Bill, 
I've never understood this. Why would you possibly throw him back on the field when this team's going nowhere in the Jets? I mean, it's it's pretty much a wrap on the season. Why would you think about throwing him back on the field? Why? At this point, it makes no sense. I mean, they're sitting there at four and seven. They're not doing anything. That's why I'm not a big Jets fan, but I was rooting for the Jets just because I wanted to see if Aaron Rodgers could actually come back from this injury because every doctor I've spoken to has said they would be shocked if he was able to make it back. So I just wanted to see if he had the ability to do it. But at this point, there's no way in hell I'm putting Aaron Rodgers back on that field or if I'm Aaron Rodgers risking coming back for a four and seven Jets team that's going nowhere. And this is where and I know they've basically since he's gotten there, he's run the roost like they've just allowed him you know, to do whatever he wants. But I'm sorry, this is where if I'm Joe Douglas or the owner or whatever, I'm like, Aaron, we appreciate you're busting it, dude. Like, that's awesome. And the fact that you're even considering coming back with us probably not making the playoffs speaks to your character. But at some point, we got to step in here and protect you against yourself. And I'm sorry, we're not going to put you on the field. We want you to rehab like you have been, like crazy, and what you're so ready for next year. But it ain't happening this year. And I don't know that they have the guts to do that. And I don't know if you spoke about this with Degon or or Tone, but you and I haven't had a chance to speak about it. Why the hell did they stick with Zach Wilson for as long as they did? It became clear to everyone watching those games that you weren't going to be able to win a lot of football games with him as your quarterback. And yet week after week, Rob Sala would get up after the game and say, we have confidence in Zach Wilson. And I think they created a big blunder not bringing in a guy sooner Look, they could have gotten a guy like Josh Dobbs. They could have maybe made some phone calls to bring in a backup quarterback from another team because their defense was good enough. They may have been able to stay in this thing if Rodgers had a chance to come back, and they refused to admit that Zach Wilson just wasn't the answer. No, I, I think it's a disgrace. I think it's I, I, 100%. I know Robert Sala has taken all the bullets for it, but it reeks of we're justifying taking this guy second overall, and we're going to roll him out there. And you you – you could have with this defense made the playoffs. You could have gotten in. You could have been a seven seed, something like that. You could have gotten in, but they rode it so far and so long with, with Zach Wilson that it, it just reeks of that. And I hate that kind of thinking by front offices. I really do. It's where I give the Eagles credit for, for just bailing on Jalen Rager when they realized he couldn't play at all, just dump them, get rid of them and move on. Um, you know, it got to that part with Carson Wentz where you figured, all right, we're going to be paying out the wazoo, but it's worth it in the long run. So, yeah, I think I, I've talked about it a lot, but I think it's worth, you know, noting. It's it's just they, they their fans should be highly ticked off at the way that went. Uh, the Jets should. All right. Bunch of other things here uh, to hit Bill. And, yeah, I, I just thought the deuce part of that. But just back to Carolina for a second where Tabor was like, yeah, I made that decision. You're letting the interim special teams slash head coach fire coaches. Isn't that the GM and the owner's job? But anyway. Uh, all right. It's Nonetheless, a mess. It's a mess. In yeah, they're a mess. Jonathan Taylor, uh, who has come back, who got his contract, um, he may miss time due to a thumb injury. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, the job that Shane Steichen's done in Indy is has been phenomenal. They're they're right now at six and five. Uh, they're the seventh seed, and they hold a tiebreaker over Denver um, to to potentially get in. Uh, that would be a blow. Yeah, they have Moss. They can they can fill, throw Zach Moss in there, who's really good as well. But but Taylor had started. I think he had ninety one yards in their last game. So that, that hurts, especially when you're down to your, you know, your backup quarterback with Gardner Minshew. Well, Minshew mania is running wild in Indianapolis. It is. It is. Yes, sir. But uh, yeah, I'm rooting for the Colts. I think Shane Steichen really is a great coach. We saw it 
he's yeah. just had such a knack for play calling. And it was a shame to see Anthony Richardson go down. Although I don't think they probably would have the record that they have right now with Richardson. I think Richardson's got a lot of potential, but as a rookie quarterback, you knew there was going to be some ups and downs. And I think Minshew's actually given them a better chance to win games simply because he knows how to manage a game in the NFL. But it was unfortunate to see that because I'm looking forward to seeing what Shane Steichen does with a guy like Anthony Richardson, because you saw the offense he was able to put together with Jalen Hurts last year. But yeah, I'm rooting for them, but that's a big loss. Jonathan Taylor, obviously, one of the best running backs in the league. But hey, they got a shot. They got yeah. a shot to make the playoffs. No, they do. They yeah. So the, I, I gave you the NFC. Let me give you the AFC. Baltimore nine and three. They're at the top, and then it's Kansas City, Jacksonville, and Miami are all eight and three. So it's Baltimore, KC, Jacksonville, Miami, Pittsburgh seven and four, Cleveland seven and four, Indy six and five. You have the Texans right there uh, at six and five, and Denver. I, I, so let's talk about those last two teams for a minute. Uh, let's start with Denver. It had started off about as bad as it could start off. And since then, Sean Payton's really got these guys going. Russell Wilson looks like Russell Wilson again. They weeded out some guys on the defensive side that they didn't feel like were, were, were part of the future of this thing. And now all of a sudden, they're a team you don't want to face if they sneak into the playoffs, if you're one of those top seeds. Hottest team in the NFL. Yeah. Won, won five in a row. And – yeah, watching some of those games, and especially the Dolphins game where they put up 70 points, everyone's thinking, oh, this Denver Broncos team is brutal. But they bounce back after that, and you got to give Sean Payton and Russell Wilson both a ton of credit. Sean Payton's a good coach, and I thought after watching that Dolphins game, oh, Payton just doesn't have it. You know, retreads who've won Super Bowls never work out. But you're seeing why Sean, Sean Payton was a big name to get hired because he really is that good of a coach getting these guys going and Russell Wilson starting to play like the Russell Wilson. So yeah, watch out for the Denver Broncos. And then you mentioned the Houston Texans. What CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryans are both doing in their first years is unbelievable, mm -hmm. man. Loved D'Amico Ryans loved when he was here. I think Chip Kelly used to call him Mufasa. Yes. When he was yes. a linebacker, <laughs> but I'm rooting for him, but what you're seeing from C.J. Stroud, man, is absolutely crazy. And back to the Carolina Panthers, that's what all this drama is about is did they really want to draft C.J. Stroud and got stuck taking Bryce Young and all this other stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting. I'll but, give you one more, too, in terms of great picks. Tank Dell, who they took in the third round. Oh, he's so good, man. 47 catches, 709 yards, seven touchdowns, 15.1 yards per catch. He he's Stroud's go-to guy. Like they, there's a nice core there built for a long time. Pierce and Dell and Stroud on that side, and then some of those guys they have on the defensive side. Yeah, very good job, very good job there. Um, Dolphin signed Jason Pierre-Paul. Eh, you know, not a bad move for nothing. Why not? Well, they just lost. Uh... Jalen Phillips to yeah. a Achilles yeah, Achilles you know, on that turf that everybody seems to blow Achilles out on. By the way, it meant life. Yeah, I was a little upset. I was supposed to have – I have a doctor that joins my show every every Monday night, the Legal Hands of the Face show. He got tied up in surgery last night uh -huh. because I was talking to him earlier in the day about what's going on with all these Achilles tears because you're seeing a ton of them over the last couple of years. Yeah. And he actually pulled a study that he did with regard to artificial turf and Achilles tears, and we were going to go over it last night, and then he, I get a text. I'm in the operating room. I can't. So I'm really curious to hear – 
if there's a correlation between artificial turf and these Achilles tears. Well, I mean, the first thing you need to do is yell at him and get his priority straight. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, surgery over your show. I mean, let's yeah, go. Exactly. Come on, man. What are we doing here? Uh, no. But really, um, how many Achilles tears have there been over the last couple of years? It's great. We were just talking about Rodgers. You had Kirk Cousins. Eagles had Zach McPherson go down with an Achilles. Yeah. Phillips. And I know there's others. I'm just forgetting offhand. There's been so many of them. It does feel like more lately. Uh, and I don't know why, but it does feel like more lately than, than what we've seen in years past. But yeah, for sure. Um, Miles Garrett, that it looked like a major shoulder injury for him, but dodged apparently it's not that bad. They might have dodged a major bullet because that's how Cleveland's going to have to win games here defensively. I mean, it, it's no other way. I mean, that, that's that has to be their calling card. And to potentially have lost him would have been major, but he it looks like he's okay. So bullet dodged for them for sure. Miles Garrett is such a good player. Yeah. You watch them play. First of all, he doesn't even look like a real human being. When you see how big his arms are and how athletic he is, it's amazing the stuff that that guy can do. But now with no Deshaun Watson, it's going to be tough. Even with the defense as dominant as they are. Yeah. I don't see them making a lot of noise in the AFC. I, I really think the AFC is going to come down to either the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the fan in me is hoping for the Jacksonville Jaguars just because I really like Doug Peterson. And I'd right. love to see. You had the Eagles go up against Andy Reid last year in the Super Bowl. How cool would it be to see the Eagles go up against Doug Peterson in the Super Bowl? That would be cool. I mean, if you think about it, though, the five – well, actually, five the, the six and seven seed impacted big time with quarterback injuries, right? Yeah. C- Cincinnati, you can write them off. They're cooked, you know, with Burroughs injury. So the, the teams up top have gotten kind of fortunate what's happened with the other teams. I wonder if Baltimore's offense can keep up without Andrews, how much impact that has. But yeah, it's, it sets up nicely for Andy and Doug and Mike McDaniel. And if Pittsburgh's offense, which didn't put up a lot of points, but started moving the ball better since they got rid of Matt Canada, Pittsburgh could be dangerous there too if they can get something going offensively. That may be the craziest stat over the last few years in the NFL that Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record as a head coach. Um, that well, is his whole career. Yeah. I don't know how you're able to do that. And yeah, that team, they're winning with smoke and mirrors. You said some people think the Eagles are winning with smoke and mirrors. The Steelers, mm. weren't they outgained like nine games in a row, but still yes found ways to win football games. So I mean defensively they've really picked it up and you know the usual suspects Watt and those guys just playing great. But yeah, they that's unbelievable what they've done. Yeah. In, in Pittsburgh, but, no doubt. But yeah, AFC's AFC's kind of wide open. You know, we talked about the NFC being really the Eagles, the Niners and the Cowboys. I put them as the the top 3 teams. Yes, the AFC agree. after those top 3, I just don't think the quarterback play is good enough for the remaining teams to really make a run. I, I agree with you. I, I think that it's, it, it, first of all, we thought it was going to be such a dominant conference and it's nowhere near what we thought it was going to be. Um, and, and in some parts due to injuries, you know, other parts, just teams aren't playing like Buffalo. I, I don't think I'll, I don't want to speak for you. I didn't see them at six and six at this point. I thought they were going to be much better. Uh, even Cincinnati before Burroughs injury was all over the place, you know, and there have just been some teams that have disappointed for sure. Well, Buffalo, you know, we talked about stats earlier and all you look at statistics, the Buffalo Bills should not be six and six. Right. They have a top ten defense, a top ten offense. It's simply because of turnovers. Yeah. If they if they eliminated the turnovers on offense, 
they'd have a lot better of a record, and we wouldn't be talking about Ken Dorsey getting fired as offensive coordinator. You know, he was really the scapegoat there simply because Josh Allen was a turnover machine to start the year. Everywhere else, they were top five, top ten, every offensive category. Well, the game he got bounced was a special teams mishap. They had too many men on the field. Like, it was, it was comical. Yeah, the special teams have 12 guys on the field, and then you fire your offensive coordinator. Yeah. That I didn't yeah. understand. No, it's a, it's a joke. All right, uh, elsewhere, speaking of Buffalo, uh, so McDermott basically is staying the course, not going to make any kind of – I don't know what else you can do in terms of dramatic changes at this point, but um, still believes the playoffs are within reach. I mean, they are technically. I mean, right now Buffalo's a 10 seed, but they're 6-6. Six and six. I don't think they're completely out of it. I think they'd have to run the table. So here, let me just throw at you what they have. Um, by week – First of all, let me just be clear that I think they have no shot, but they, in theory, they could. But bye week at Kansas City, Dallas home at Chargers, New England home at Miami. There's at least two losses in there, at least. Yeah, they probably have the toughest remaining schedule of all these AFC teams to be yeah, on the road in Kansas City. That's not an easy and game. And KC is vying for that one seed, so they need to keep winning. So we'll see if they don't make the playoffs. Do you think Sean McDermott is gone in Buffalo? He just signed. We we had Mike Catalana on last week, Bill, uh, on on Sports Take, and he covers the Bills for the ABC affiliate there. And he said that he thinks he's safe um, because they had so much turnover, like Doug Marone and all that you know nonsense before him. So they he feels like he's safe. But I'm I was. And I asked the question for a reason. I'm leaning towards your way. Like, if they collapse like this with what the expectation was, I mean, how can you say he's safe? He might survive, but I don't know. I think it's up in the air. I really do think it's up in the air. It's interesting. It's interesting. And they've never been able to get over that hump. They came close in that. that game. Was that the overtime game against Kansas City where they never got the ball oh, that's back? the one they should have. Yeah, and they gave – remember the kickoff? Uh, there was like – the game was over. Left. It was terrible the way it was handled. It's why you got to take advantage when you get close. Got to yeah, take advantage of it when you get close. You never know, man, in the NFL. Yeah. All right. Uh, a couple other things here. Uh, we mentioned the Vikings. I thought this was a little bit strange. Kevin O'Connor was non-committal on Josh Dobbs. I know it was bad last night, but does he really feel like there's a better alternative? Yeah, who would be the alternative? The, the kid the who is it, like Jalen Hurd or whatever his name is, the kid out of BYU? You really going that route? He's the one who took over for a minute before they got Dobbs. I think before they got Dobbs um, is it, who was in there. Uh, yeah, J Jalen Hall. I said Hurd. It's Hall. Yeah. It's Jalen Hall, and I think Nick Mullins may be the third string guy. You know, whatever. I mean, there's that's some pure slop right there. Well, this uh, is why – Look, I get frustrated sometimes. I know fans get frustrated sometimes that the NFL goes over the top to protect these quarterbacks with these roughing the passer calls. But this is why, because when the starting quarterbacks go down, the product is so watered down in the NFL with some of these backup quarterbacks and third string quarterbacks. So I'm OK as frustrated as I get. I'm okay with them going over the top to protect these starters because yeah. you see what happens when you don't have good quarterback. It's over. Like your season is automatically over when, when that's the case. Unless you unless you have like a, a team like Indy, Gardner Minshew is a, a good backup, but there's so few that are even capable of coming in there and, and 
think of, I mean, God forbid, Marcus Mariota comes in here. Like, do I think the Eagles still get in the playoffs? Yeah. But do I think he's doing anything to advance them deep? No. It's just the way it goes. There's just well, not enough of them. That's why Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk wrote an article a couple weeks ago I read, which I thought was really interesting, that there's chatter in the NFL that they may want to expand from 32 teams. And the issue is, and the point of Florio's article is, where are you finding quarterbacks yeah. for more than 32 teams? We don't even have 32 good quarterbacks in the NFL, let alone now 33, 34, you're going to get a really bad product. You start expanding too much. You're right. And it, it, it's certainly first and foremost quarterbacks, but it's every position. There's just not enough depth period uh, and not enough good players in the league to be adding any more. That's for sure. All right. Lastly, I, I, I wanted to, to hit you with this. So the two leading candidates right now, we touched on it really briefly, but at least in a lot of people's eyes, for the Panthers job are Brian Johnson, the Eagles coordinator and Ben Johnson, who is the lions offensive coordinator. It just shows you how different perception is nationally versus locally, right? People here hated Jonathan Gannon. He got one of the job openings. Uh, people don't like Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson is apparently on the short list to get the, the Carolina Panthers job. It is amazing, man. Just the local purview compared to the national one. Always. And, John McMullen said that on the Eagles pregame show on Sunday, even before people were angry about Brian Johnson's game plan. And I saw in the chat people saying, good, hire him, get him out of here. I'm like, man. Yeah. But I think a lot of that, too, is we talked about how good of an organization that Jeffrey Lurie runs is I think a lot of the reasons why these assistant coaches are always in the mix to get head coaching jobs is because other organizations know that the Eagles do it right. Nick Sirianni runs a very tight ship, an effective ship, the way he runs his practices, the way they prepare for games. And to be able to get a guy from that staff is now always going to be in the mix. You saw it with Gannon and Steichen. Even before that, Frank Reich leaving Doug Peterson. It's because the Eagles organization is so successful, they're always going to look to our assistants to hire in other places. And it's not just assistant coaches. It's think about the, how they've, the front office has been rated over the last five, six years. Really has. I yep. mean, left and right. It's, it's headliners like Joe Douglas, but it's Andy Weidel, uh, Andrew Barry. Uh, oh man. There, there's been a ton of them. There's been like five or six that have gone elsewhere in, you know, major positions. That's the other area you give Howie credit. He's been able to turn this thing over and keep churning here with some new faces, you know, in, in those, those roles. It's a great organization. We are lucky that we have the Philadelphia Eagles organization and not a handful, if not more of these other NFL organizations that are just run so poorly. So, yeah. Um, all right. We'll come back. And uh, the, the NFL, the pro football hall of fame has announced their semifinalists. There's a couple of Eagles, former Eagles that will be of note to you. So we'll talk about that in addition to a bunch of other things that we're going to get to. And we'll swing it back to the birds, as always. When we come back, don't go anywhere. That's Bill Calarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Back. Final segment of the show. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Bill doing a uh, double dip work. Good work out of you, Bill. Uh, <laughs> hopping in after your program today, hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Bill Collarillo, Rob Ellis. All right, so let's hit a couple things. Um, pretty interesting here, Bill. Eric Allen and Ricky Waters, two former Eagles, are semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I, 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 let, let's start with Eric Allen. This, frankly, is a disgrace that he hasn't gotten in uh sooner um if, if you look at his career number it's not just an eagles thing by the way you look at his career numbers in all his different stops the a- amount of interceptions uh some of the other metrics that you judge the great corners by this guy has long deserved to be in and i i for the life of me this is one i don't understand why he hasn't gotten in sooner one thousand percent eric allen he should have been in the moment he became eligible one of the best corners to ever do it was actually one of the answers to my Eagles trivia last night. I always do an Eagles trivia on the legal hands of the face show. And I said, who has the most career interceptions 
in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform, and there are three players tied with 34. Eric Allen's one of them. Do you know who the other two are, Rob? All-time interceptions leaders? Yeah. Bill Bradley? Nice. Bill Bradley, and then one more. Should be an easy one. All-time Eagle. Uh, Brian Dawkins. My man hit all three of them, hit all three of them. But Bill Bradley was the one I didn't think you'd get, but you nailed it right out of the gate. Yeah, all three of them have 34 interceptions. But look, Eric Allen, the stuff he did, he was the true shutdown corner. And he also held the record for the most interceptions returned for a touchdown until Thanksgiving Day when Deron Bland for the Cowboys took it back. But yeah, Yeah. Eric Allen, and, and I've had this conversation with Seth Joyner when we do the Eagles game day shows here on Jacob. Him and I have talked off the record a little bit about it. I said, are you shocked that Eric Allen hasn't made the Hall of Fame yet? And he said, right. it's, it's a crime. He said, he absolutely. It, Bill, there's no like off the field. Sometimes with guys, they, you know, they had some you know personal issues, whatever, or like beefs with the media. There's Eric Allen's as clean as they, they get. It's sometimes I, I don't know why guys fall through the cracks. They're not appreciated for some reason. It's strange. And I think, We've gotten to the point where a lot of Hall of Fames are the Hall of Very Good, not great. Eric Allen was great. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, hopefully they'll get it. Hopefully they'll get it right this year. Yeah. But I don't see the other eagle you mentioned. I don't see Ricky Waters getting in this year. He, you know what? The, the thing with Ricky is his stats are very good if you look at him as a complete back, catching the ball out of the backfield. Even even his rushing stats, like up until the very end. And I was looking at this the other day with him. So I forget what happened. Something. His name came up for some reason. So let me just throw the numbers at you and you tell me, okay? All right. So, uh, yeah, obviously started his career. Won it. He did win a, a ring with uh, with the 49ers. Uh, but he, he plays 10 years. He goes 92 to 01. He's got um, 10,643 rushing yards. Pretty good number. 78 rushing touchdowns. Averaged more than four yards per carry. And then if you look at his receiving stats, Damn good receiver, you know, really uh, in a lot of different ways. But he had uh, 13 receiving touchdowns, uh, all told, which is, you know, good, very good. Uh, And 4,248 receiving yards. That's not bad, man. I mean, it's he's close. He's close. I'm looking at the all time number. So he's 24th all time. Yeah. In rushing yards. You know what? I I always I, mean, I guess a little bit jaded because I always remember the for who for what for who, for quote. What? It was his introduction to Philadelphia. Yeah. But he actually had a pretty good Eagles career. He played well for the yeah. Eagles. But I always remember that for who for what. But yeah, when you throw out those numbers, maybe he does have a shot. And like you said, he does have that Super Bowl ring from when he was with the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. LaShawn McCoy actually has more career rushing yards than Ricky Waters. Right. Well, look, McCoy's numbers are are nothing. Yeah, McCoy. McCoy has a shot with the numbers he's got. Yeah, they're nothing to sneeze at for sure. Uh, All right, so the others, um, Julius Peppers, I think, is an absolute lock. Uh, Antonio Gates, uh, his numbers are insane. And so they're they're the headliners of a 25 modern-day semifinals list. Eric Allen and Ricky Waters are, are back in the day. Uh, I'll give you give you some others uh, who were, who were involved. Eight players who made it to the final stage of 15 in the class of 23 last year were Jared Allen, Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Torrey Hull, Patrick Willis, Willie Anderson, Darren Woodson, uh, and they came up a little bit short last year. Now the the uh, other semis are Eric Allen, Anquan Bolden, Jari Evans, who's a Philly kid, 
uh, London Fletcher, Eddie George, Philly kid, Abington, James Harrison, Rodney Harrison, Robert Matthews, Steve Smith Sr., Fred Taylor, Heinz Ward. We mentioned Ricky Waters, Reggie Wayne, and Vince Wilfork. There, that's, there are a lot of good names there. A lot sure. of good names. A lot of good names. And Devin Hester's one you threw out there. And I see they got it, you know, punt returner, kick returner, wide receiver. Definitely shouldn't be there as a wide receiver, but I think it's no. a no-brainer as well, a that, returner. That's what you have to do now because there's such a stigma with special teams guys. Yeah. But Brian Mitchell. Yeah, Brian Mitchell, great special teamer also. But, yeah, I just remember Devin Hester, really, the stuff he was able to do. He still holds the record, I think, most most returns for a touchdown, right, is yeah. Devin Hester. And you remember how he started that Super Bowl. Unfortunately, the Bears didn't win it, but started that Super Bowl. That was that was incredible on that yeah. kickoff return. And the, the, the sh- you know, I get it. I again, this goes back to what we we're talking about with health. Um, but there's just not the opportunity now to return kicks anymore. It's pretty much over. It's either a touchback or these guys fair catch a lot of times. Which I hate that. I hate that fair catch. But you under look, we know what they're doing. They're trying to eliminate the kickoff without eliminating the kickoff because that is where I guess research has shown the most injuries occur. And yeah, I get it. I'm all for player safety, but yeah, it's unfortunate because the kickoff used to be a very, but really exciting, really exciting part of the game. It is. It is a dying art. And, and I'll tell you, have you, have you looked at Britton Covey's uh, numbers as a punt returner? Britton Covey, Nick Sirianni, be a pro bowler. Nick Sirianni said it today or yesterday in his press conference about how he asks every day the staff is is Britton Covey going to be an All Pro? Is he going to be an is he going to be an All Pro? And look, I'm going to give myself a little bit of credit here because I do videos every day on my Instagram channel, and over the summer I did a video about Britton Covey, mm-hmm. and I said, look, I know a lot of fans are saying they need to get rid of Britton Covey. Yeah, Give this guy an opportunity. You looked at what he did the last few games of the year last year, and you go back and what he did in college, and I said he's going to become a yeah. really good punt returner in this league. Yeah. And you're right every once in a while because he really is, man. He's he's one of the best returners in the NFL. 14.8 yards per return. Uh, he was actually singled out by Sirianni after the game. He singled out Jalen. He singled out uh, Jack Driscoll. Uh, he singled out Covey, Josh Joe, but like he gave he gave a lot of those guys love who who aren't usually the front liners, and I thought it was pretty cool, man. And I, I just gave myself credit for being right about Britton Covey, but now I'm going to admit when I was wrong. Michael Clay, special teams coordinator. Yeah. Over yeah. the summer, I was furious, Rob, that not only were they bringing him back, but that it got reported he received an extension. Yeah. I said, how could you do that? They had one of the worst special teams units in the league last year, and – Michael Clay's doing a really good job, man. You uh-huh. saw it again against the Buffalo Bills. Punt return coverage was excellent in that football game. Man, the punter they brought in, big upgrade. And I was a fan of Sippus because I, I golf with him. He was a member at my club, so I was <laughs> I was rooting for him. But, uh, you know, man's doing a nice job. They So I got to give credit, Michael Clay. He's impressed me this year. Yeah, Michael Clay's done a really good job. And I'm with you. I, I was a chief critic uh, for sure. But – uh, yeah, Braden Mann, I don't know why it took a couple games to get him in here, but nonetheless, they got him here. It's all that matters. You know, his net average is 42.4. His average is 49.1. He's been, especially lately, he's been booming his punts. So he's doing a really nice job. Um, and then throw in, I, don't, I forgot to mention too, blocked field goal in the Buffalo Bills Jaylen game. Carter. So, hey, we say it all the time. It sounds cliche that the NFL is a three-phase game, but special teams can really change the outcome of a game. So. 
hey, if they can keep playing well, hats off to Michael Clay. You know, let's stay on that because we talked a lot of Eagles today, you and I. We haven't gotten into Jake Elliott. And just when you see the amount of mediocrity around the league with kickers um, and what this guy's done since they they got him in 17, you know, really starting with that 61-yard field goal against the Giants, which got everything going, it felt like, in that season. I mean, other than maybe Justin Tucker, I, I, there's nobody else I want in this league besides him. It's incredible. And I just mentioned that I golfed with Sippus. Jake Elliott is a flat-out stud. Yeah, on scratch the golf golfer, course. right? Unbelievable. I've never played with him, but I've played with a few guys who have, and they said it's unbelievable how good Elliott is. Yeah, he's, he's scratch. And I had Dave Spadaro on my show today, and I said to him that we talk about how clutch Jake Elliott is, and we always go back to that kick he had against the Giants on September 24th, 2017, the 61-yarder. Yeah. But what a lot of people forget, was how clutch of a kick he had in Super Bowl 52 because there were so many big plays in that Super Bowl. You had the Philly special. You had the BG strip sack. Well, after BG strips Tom Brady, the Eagles had to kick a 46-yard field goal. You have a rookie kicker kicking a 46-yard field goal in the Super Bowl in the biggest moment, and he puts it right down the middle, man. And if you miss that, you're giving the ball back to Tom Brady down five with good field position. That was a huge kick by a rookie, but now knowing what we know about Jake Elliott, there was never any doubt. It was, uh, it, it's one of the more underrated moments of the Super Bowl to make that eight and have to force them to go all the way down, score, and get two. I, I mean, you can't emphasize it enough. There were so many big plays in that, but that is a very big play. But uh, Elliott, I mean, some of the stats that are coming out, and some of these came from, from Ruben Frank over at NBC Sports Philly. Elliott's only the fifth kicker in NFL history who has three career field goals of 59-plus. Five in history, Elliott's one of them. I couldn't believe that stat. I'm thinking you got to be – there's got to be more kickers that have more than three 59-plus. I'm shocked by that. There's not. Nine of nine on game-tying or game-winning field goals. Yeah. And this year – That's in. That's with under two minutes and overtime. Insane. Yeah. And then this year, he's six of seven, 50-plus. <laughs> it's just – we are lucky to have Jake Elliott on this team. I'll say yeah. that. Uh, no question. All right. So um, real last thing on the, I, I just want to circle back to the Panthers. Um, Cause this, this appears to be a little dirty pool here. So David Tepper, the owner had his press conference today to talk about the firing of Frank Reich and, you know, some of the changes they made, all this other stuff. Uh, so there, there's a reporter, uh, a columnist from the Charlotte observer named Scott Fowler, uh, who has been very critical of, you know, Tepper and the organization. He sat in the front row at the press conference, raised his hand several times to ask a question, and in his words, was frozen out from asking any questions. Uh, you know, I think it's 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 really interesting. If that is really what happened, if it wasn't just coincidental, that's some that really is some some pathetic stuff from the Panthers organization, if that's what happened. Like that is really petty, weak, weak stuff, passive-aggressive kind of stuff from them. I'm, I'm reading it now, and, and you're right. And it's just, yeah, David Tepper doesn't want to be questioned, man. He's, he's the guy in charge. He's going to make all the decisions, and God forbid you question him. This is not a way to really <laughs> make fans or coaches who want to come there want to play for, or work for an owner like this. So I mean, things just keep getting worse in, in Carolina. I'm telling you, man. All right. So uh, according to Olivia Reiner, 
who uh, is one of the uh, Eagles beat writers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Lane Johnson, uh, who was an, at, at an event today to advocate uh, mental health, and good for him because he does unbelievable work with that. He told her that he's feeling good. He feels like he will be ready for this Sunday's game against the 49ers. He said he popped some scar tissue in his groin from last year, which is why he wasn't active against the Bills. That actually aligns exactly with Derek Gunn and what he had to say. Uh, tweeted out on Sunday, in fact, uh, what his sources were telling him, that it was it was scar tissue uh, from, the, from the previous surgery that he had and that he should be able to go in the San Francisco game. So uh, that, that's good news right there. That is That is really good news right there. Huge news. <laughs> Absolutely huge news. I thought it was a good sign that Lane Johnson went out before the Bills game and tested it because I think if it turned out that anything showed up on the MRI or there was anything that they were really concerned about, they wouldn't have even had him go out and test that groin. So it's not surprising to me that it sounds like he's going to play, but definitely good news against this 49ers defensive front that we yeah, talked about. Yeah, no question. I mean, you think about think about what they roll out there. It's, it's Bosa ridiculous, man. And hard. I mean, they are absolutely stacked on that defensive line. It's it's funny, man. Like it was last year after Bosa, you, the the sack totals kind of dipped individually. They had a lot collectively. This year, I think Hargrave is number two at six, but they have a lot of guys who can pressure the quarterback. It's not. It doesn't all just have to be generated from one source with them. It's kind of like the Eagles in that sense. You, there's a lot of different guys who can get after you. They're deep. They are deep, and it's going to be – thankfully, you got Cam Jurgens back now. This will be his third game back. Obviously, we still have Jason Kelsey, but it's going to be a big game for this offensive line to protect Jalen Hurts and to hopefully open up some holes because I think they're going to have to run the football on Sunday and mix it up. And We touched on it a little bit, Rob, but you, you talked about how the one thing that surprised you with Brian Johnson was you know, not giving DeAndre Swift any touches in the first game of the year. Mm -hmm. And I've still been surprised that they're not giving their running backs a lot of carries in the first halves of games. And I don't understand why. And I don't think the Eagles have gotten away with it, but the running game's not something that you should be able to just click your fingers and you turn it on. It's kind of has to be established and, you talk about DeAndre Swift being a guy, every time he touches the ball, he's a threat to break one. But he can't break one if you don't give him opportunities. They gave him three carries in the first half of the Buffalo Bills game. Now they bounce back. I think they gave him 10 in the second half. But I really would like to see against this 49ers defensive front, you can slow them down a little bit in getting after the quarterback by running the football. Don't let them pin their ears back knowing you're dropping back three straight times to start the game like you did against Buffalo. Let's run the ball a little bit early. How much of it do you think, I mean, it, to a degree for the game and maybe for the long term, are they pacing Swift? I mean, is, is it simple as that? Is that too simplistic? Well, you, you, look at, you look at Swift's career, yeah, and I think there were only two games in Detroit for his first three years that he had more than 15 carries, and we knew yeah. he was injury prone. But the only reason why I don't think that's what it is is I'm okay with not giving Swift all the carries, yeah. but just get your running backs more involved. Yeah. You're, you gave Swift three carries in the first half. You gave Boston Scott two, and you gave Kenny Gainwell two. Let's mix it up a little bit, and I still don't understand why Boston Scott doesn't get more opportunities. Every time that guy gets an opportunity, he delivers. 
And even in Buffalo, I think he had two carries. One of them, I think, was for 10 yards. But they just never get him involved in the offense, and I don't understand. Yeah, you know, I don't – it's – and I'm going to say it sounds weird saying this because Zacchaeus had a, had a huge touchdown catch. It was an unbelievable play by Jalen and a really nice catch too. I don't take anything away from Zacchaeus. But the, the Eagles have, I think, a, a little bit of depth concern for me. Like, you could pass Swift. They've gotten very little production out of anybody. I know what you're saying. Maybe give Boston Scott some more opportunities. He'll be better. Um, you could pass your first two receivers. You, you, there's a big fall off. You could pass Dallas Goddard. There's a big fall off. Like maybe that's every team, but it just doesn't feel like there's a ton of depth here. I just hope they they're able to stay healthy and with these other guys. I really do. Yeah, it's look. I see people in the chat talking about Rashad Penny, and I've kind of given up on any hope that Rashad Penny is going to contribute to this team. Derek Gunn has said before, and he's probably said on your show that. From what he's talked to people in the organization is simply Penny's there as an insurance policy. I don't know what's going to happen with Rashad Penny, but you got three running backs that do dress every game. They don't give them a lot of carries. Rashad Penny can't even make it onto the field. So I don't know what's going on with that running back position, but I will say you mentioned Alama Day Zacchaeus. I was really happy that Quez Watkins came back from injury and that they didn't just immediately give him all of his reps back because you've seen Quez Watkins fail to come up big in big moments year after year. I think you and I actually talked on this show in the off season about how disappointed we were that Quez Watkins was probably going to be your wide receiver three again. And we were hopeful that Alama day Zacchaeus could beat him out. But earlier in the year, Zacchaeus made a big play against the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think it was a touchdown. Quez comes back from injury. They immediately give him his job back. I was happy they didn't do that against Buffalo. They split the reps. Yep. But I'll tell you what, Rob, and I think you're going to agree with me. Quez Watkins doesn't make that catch. No, he does. He one hundred percent doesn't make that catch. I, look, I have zero trust in him, and I know you know we're always fascinated with the speed, and you know that's always going to be a factor because it can open things up underneath. I, I understand that. I get it conceptually, but when the guy has the speed, doesn't catch the ball, it doesn't matter, and I don't feel like he's earned anything. Like, I would much rather have Zacchaeus out there. I know there's, again, there's not much after that. Fine. You want Quez Watkins to, to get some opportunities? Whatever. I don't trust him. I don't think Jalen does either. And I don't, I I think the organization after that that play where he decided to, to go out of bounds instead of just sticking his nose in there and getting a first down, I think it, it really hurt them. It hurt him badly. Badly in their eyes. And if you look at the snap count, they actually gave Julio Jones yeah. 71% of the snaps. So I, I, when they first signed Julio, I didn't think he was going to play that much. But clearly, they like him better than, than Quez, and, and so do I, just because you know you can at least trust Julio in a big moment to make the catch. And I'm, I'm sick of that argument. I know that's what Sirianni has talked about, that Quez's speed opens things up. There's not that much of a drop-off between Quez Watkins and Alama De Zacchaeus in terms of speed. Yes, Quez is faster. But I've given this stat before. If Quez was really taking the lid off of a defense, you would not have seen his yards per catch drop so significantly last year to the year before. We knew his production would drop because you brought in A.J. Brown, but you saw his yards per catch go from like over 15 to down to 10. If this is your burner, this is the guy that you're expected to take the lid off, you shouldn't be averaging 10 yards per catch. And Alameda Zacchaeus actually has a higher average 
per catch than Quez Watkins. So I'll take the slight drop off in speed for a guy you know is going to come up big. I'd be very surprised if he's an Eagle next year. Uh, very surprised. I mean, I, and I'd be very surprised. Let me just say, just stay in the present. I'd be very surprised if you get a lot of production out of him going forward or any for that matter. He might catch a couple balls here and there, but I'm talking about impactful stuff. I don't see it. And our man Tone checking in. Where's he agrees Tone? 1,000%, he said. Tone must have been. Oh, Tone, Tone's back in. Here. Okay. All right. My there man, what's up, Tone? All right. All right, good to hear from Tony. Yeah, we got we got Xander producing the program. Uh, so we haven't had uh, Xander in the helm in a little bit. So that's always good uh, to get him back into the mix. Um, all right, so uh, looking forward, here's what we have. I'll run through a couple things. You mentioned the Flyers are playing the Hurricanes tonight, Bill. Uh, old friend, Rod Brindamore, uh, coaching the uh, the Hurricanes. You have, from an Eagle, or, uh, sorry, Sixer standpoint, they, they're coming off the beatdown of the, uh, the Lakers, always fun. So what they have, and they may be getting Kelly Oubre back for, I don't, it won't be tomorrow, uh, but you may get him back for Friday at Boston. That's a big one against the Celtics. But you get, you get New Orleans tomorrow there. So it's a two game road trip and then they come back here, but let's face it, the, the Sixers and the Flyers, that's all well and good. Philly hot, Philly's hot stove. That's all well and good too. The bulk, the bulk of what we're going to do this week is get you set for the, uh, for the Eagles and the 49ers. Let me give me your best guess. That line right now, let's say it sits, it's sitting at two and a half on Tuesday. What do you think the line is come kickoff 425 on Sunday? How different do you think it will look? I think it's probably going to hover around the same, unfortunately. I think it may even go up to, to three points, two and a half, three points. But I think a lot of money's probably coming in on this 49ers team. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it really the news is going to change Lane Johnson if he plays. I think he gets down to one, one and a half. Yeah, so that may make it drop a little bit if Lane Johnson plays. But I do think, like you said earlier, they do put emphasis on kind of the revenge factor. Yep. And I think a lot of people are expecting the 49ers to come in here after what happened in the NFC Championship game and win. And like we've said, this game means more to the 49ers probably than it means to the Eagles. I know as fans, we want to win. I know the Eagles players would like to shut them up. But in the grand scheme of things, when you look at the standings, the Eagles don't have to win this football game. They just yeah. don't. I want to see them do it, right. but they don't have to win. I got you. I got you. All right, that'll do it for us. I want to thank Xander Krause producing the program. I want to thank all of you in the chat. You guys are the best. Thank you. Uh, everybody streaming, everybody listening. Bill, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Appreciate you hopping in today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. It was fun. Yeah, and, and keep up the great work. And again, uh, each and every Monday through Friday, catch Bill 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Philly Sports Hour. Where else can they catch you, Bill? So you got the Philly Sports Power Hour from 10 to 11. We do the Legal Hands to the Face show every Monday at 6.30. But we are posting daily content on my Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face. It's all Eagles all day. So be sure to check that out as well. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right, everybody, listen, have a, gr a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time. We appreciate you hanging with us. For Bill, I'm Rob. We are Sports Take. See you guys tomorrow.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.